It is another edition of the Chair Shot Podcast coming to you here on this Monday evening. Slightly delayed, better late than never, as we say, boys. Huh? What? Oh, well, you know, we certainly believe that after 12 years of doing this podcast, they've been more late than on time, probably at this stage. Um, but uh, actually, no, we've been on a good little streak lately. We haven't had too many. Um, we used to do it on Saturdays, though, didn't we? Did we? We did at one point. Uh, that can't. That can't have been. That can't, that must have been short lived because. Uh, yeah, I think it was. Uh, like I, I was in college beginning. when we started this, so so I. Was, you know. Yeah, me too. So that must that must not have uh, have lasted very long. Uh, but anyway, we are our usual haunt is Sunday, which we are also not doing this week. Yeah. Uh, slightly delayed version here. I was off out and about as we will get into on this show. Um, uh, while I was uh, off last week, also, which we will also get to in a bit. Mm. Um, I did. Uh, I did listen to last week's show. Uh, uh, good, good fun. I thought. I thought there was some good wrestling chat on that show. Uh, enjoyed the Roy Keane impersonations. I thought they were both very good. Um, you <laughs> know, you. Not, not quite gift rub yet, but I think he'd both be fine. <laughs> fine. Not, uh, not Rosenstock levels now. I think he'd be both perfectly fine, sort of down the pub impressions to amuse a group of friends. Yeah. Now, to be fair, Gift Grub is going to be a, is a very niche reference, Barry, that only you and I will get probably. But at least I didn't immediately go to doing the the Roy Keane from Gift Grub with the you know. Oh, at the end of the day, like Lang Radio Roy. Yeah, I do think like as as iconic as Gift Grub is in in um. Irish culture, I do think anyone who's not from Dublin, they just amp up the regional aspect of their voice. Yeah. Uh, like Roy Keane, it's just very thick cork. I think both of yours were probably better than that. Gift Grub, for anyone who doesn't know, which is which you're correct, is anyone who's just not the pair of us. It was a, a, a sort of radio equivalent of spitting image, um, I guess you could call it, but like predominantly sports and football um, uh, uh, caricatures. Very popular. It's not still on, is it? There's not still a versus. I don't know. I mean, I was listening to that in... I want to say 2006, 2007. Yeah. I mean, I remember, yeah. like FM. Very, very, very popular. I'm sure those two, those lads probably still do the odd spot here or there, but I don't think the show is still running. Maybe. But, uh, yeah, famous for doing, like, you know, Irish sporting personalities, Roy Keane, Eamon Dunphy, the likes of that. Yeah. Anyway, that's Oh, Jesus. Luckily, Joe doesn't know Dunphy, because I'd be doing Dunphy for... No, 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 no. You're, you're wrong, right? No. Joe, Joe probably knows Dunphy. Knows Dunphy, maybe. Yeah. yeah, I'd say I'd say Dunphy is is sort of uh, uh, iconic enough in 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 online sporting circles, probably. Um, the lad Ronaldo, he's a cod. Um, you know, uh, he 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 may at least probably know of the line of, of Rod Little <laughs> ran off and left his wife for a young one. <laughs> I'll tell you who he is. <laughs> <laughs> tremendous um so that that lives on uh regardless of culture uh so yeah no that was that was good stuff um wasn't quite as taken by dwayne johnson face busters um, that is a disgraceful comment 
maybe like the worst thing that's ever been on this show i might venture to say wow <laughs> it's funny because you were like oh well we've ran out of of, of dwayne johnson but i don't think so I don't, we don't do it very often but i don't think we've ran out of, of dwayne johnson buses so we have to stoop even lower uh, um, for content <laughs> um i can't remember what they were now but one of them i did get and i was like okay that's fair okay. actually i think i got most of them and i was shocked at joe's performance i guess he was on the spot it's easier when you're at home folks yeah and we, we will have don't worry listeners dwayne johnson face busters is coming up for its good <sighs> good 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 um so, yeah, the, the head's on the chopping block but it's not quite yeah been severed yet we'll, well if, I, if i if i do well at it then it can stay I yeah guess. well um, i'm looking at these clues and i'm not confident <laughs> i might have already after one edition gone too far in the oh. wacky direction but we'll see but we'll see we'll see we we always we always have capacity to surprise each uh, other let me just have a quick look here one of the clues and i don't want to <laughs> oversimplify things but one of these clues is six lines long oh my god <laughs> so oh my god it's, it's in a notepad file so it's it's been squoze but I did. I, the funny thing is, is like you, they were very rambly last week. But like as I say, I like even before you gave a hint you of know. the initials, I got them. I got them. So it was like you know, yeah, they weren't that bad. Uh, yeah. So um, anyway, uh, we will uh, uh, get started here into the life guff. Um, I suppose I will start as I was off last week. Yeah. Uh, I was off jet setting away. Uh, I went to Venice. Yeah, and was it very nice? It was very nice, I will say. Um, very nice, get it, yeah. Dennis? No, very good, I got it. You, you know, you. I think, I, I, I trust our listeners, our listeners are smart. Well, the best jokes, they say, are the ones you have to explain. So. Yeah, that's, that's the case. They say that in, they say that in Italy as well. Um, <laughs> Just with a weird accent. Mm. Uh, so yeah, Venice was lovely. That was, it was kind of a, I don't want to say last minute necessarily, but it was a kind of a short notice kind of trip that came together. Uh, a buddy of mine he's he's very much what i am not which is he is one of those people who kind of see a reasonably priced flight and then kind of organize the plan around that like yeah that's not usually my kind of thing but but he he kind of he propositioned me and i was like okay let's do it uh and it was it was very fun i will say um um uh i don't know if they're getting smaller or what but i i had the most miserable ryanair flying experience um uh ever um uh, i again i i don't know if it was because like so we uh, it was a 7 a.m flight which meant we left limerick at like 2 a.m in the morning right so maybe that you flew was out of shannon was it no dublin we went to dublin oh dublin um, wow okay i mean that's the thing as well when you're bargain hunting with ryanair your options are very limited from shannon so right. so we went to dublin which is a two and a half hour drive or whatever so we left at like 2 a.m oh. effectively didn't really get any sleep since the previous since like this was Friday night, Saturday morning. So effectively didn't get any sleep since like Thursday. Uh, and then, but yeah, so a bit cramped and a bit, you know, whatever, a bit miserable when you get to the airport at that hour. And then it was just kind of like, I, I sat down into the seats and I could just, and like my knees were like hunched up and I was like, have they somehow cut a cost by shaving the size of this airport, this airplane down because I was just squeezed in and, um, you know, it's just painful. I mean, it's one of those things where I say this after literally every journey with them, but like, if it's any further afield than the UK, I really just need to go to a different airline because it's just, especially like, again, I'm not fucking Stephen Merchant sized, but like when you are slightly taller than average, the leg room gets to be, and you're also over 30 and now the legs are starting to hurt anyway. Um, uh, you do need to fork out a little bit for the out air lingus, I think. Um, yeah, and Italy is, is a decent uh, distance. Was it like a three and a half hour? 
No, it wasn't that bad. It was about two and a half. Uh, oh, wow. okay. uh, so, so not too bad. Um, uh, but yeah. So anyway, Ryanair aside, it was a, it was a lovely trip. We did um, we did not really have much of a plan. It was very much a get in the city and just walk the streets and just see what Venice is because it is kind of it is one of those towns that it's like you just every corner you turn is something bespoke and unique and, and, and interesting to look at. I mean, it is a, t- a town of alleyways. Um, I didn't realize this until I got there. Again, I didn't know very much about Venice. I certainly didn't read up about it ahead of time. But, like, there are no roads. It's like the water is the road. Yeah. You, get, you get a cab, you get a bus, those are boats. You know, yeah, um, I, I I knew it was, like, mostly that. I didn't realize it was literally there are no roads. Uh, because yeah. you get to the airport and you get on a bus that goes on the motorway and then they drop you at the Venice bus station, quote unquote. But that is basically just like a little outskirt. And then you cross a bridge. And it's like going over the fucking bridge into fucking the Disney Magical Kingdom or something. Because <laughs> you cross, once you cross the bridge, that's the end of roads. And that's the end of cars. Right. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, no, it is a beautiful, beautiful city um, uh, with tons to, to, to see and do. And oh, my goodness, the delicious food. Oh, my God. I mean, it was just obviously the pizza had lots and lots of pizza. It was exceedingly good. Um, obviously, as a, as a stereotypical tourist, we had a lot of that. Mm. Um, had some pasta, but also I didn't realize Italy was such a good town for, or, or such a good country, I should say, for the old sugary, tasty treats. Um, because every cafe was like something Homer would walk past in the land of chocolate vignettes. Um, <laughs> it was just so exceedingly like like the average, just like an average little cafe you'd walk past near the hotel, just like a, a literal mountain. They'd made a mountain of cannolis, and it's just like that was in every cafe. One of them had a chocolate fountain in the window. It was just kind of like I, I didn't realize they were such a big sweetie town. But oh my god, I have like a tear. So good. Um, yeah, no, absolutely lovely. We briefly went on the water. We didn't. Apparently, the gondola rides are a little bit of a proper tourist trap type thing, because it's eighty quid during the day and a hundred quid during the night. Uh, obviously, to 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 con the the lads walking around with their better ass. Hey, bring the pretty lady on the gondola. Come on, you know it goes because you know they they are doing that. Um, and then like um. Uh, we bought, uh, a friend of mine who I was with, he went to a supermarket at one stage and he bumped into another Irish couple who holiday there all the time. And they're like, if you want to go out in the water, just get a bus or a taxi to a couple of stops down. And it's the same basic experience, but you're right. not charged a hundred quid. It's like seven quid to get the bus. So, mm-hmm. uh, so we did that at one stage, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was really fantastic, uh, for, for the, it's, it's pricey. It's pricey, but you know, it's 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 a lovely town. We did for the last night decide to soak up a little bit of culture beyond drinking Italian cocktails and eating pizza, uh, and we did go to the opera uh, oh, for the night. Uh, yes, yes. Get me my little my little monocle. Let, pull it out of the champagne flute it just fell into when I said I was going to the opera, yeah, uh, and I put it back on my eyes. Yes. Ooh. Oh, there he is. Yes. Uh, we went to a thing. Now again, I think Sim, even though it was in this big beautiful theater, it was a really really nice building, as they literally all are. I, I, I think the uh, the opera was also a little bit of a touristy trap kind of uh, uh, place because it was like the, the English name of the opera we saw, it was literally translated to the music of Venice. And they did like Vivaldi and Mozart and stuff you would recognize from ads. Um, uh, and it was and we looked around and it was predominantly like it was like a, a little grab bag of people from all over the place. Um, like it's it's probably one of the most visited towns in the world. So so much of what's there is yeah. geared towards. It's also like the most gift shops and knickknack stores uh, I, I've seen ever. You know, in, right, in one city, sure. in, in all the touristy kind of cities I've ever been in my life, 
the amount of and again if that's a colloquialism that people know by knickknack i mean little figurines of an italian man holding yeah, a pizza tat. tat is another another word yeah a little like a, a little miniature version of every statue you could possibly see fridge magnets as far as the eye could see it's yeah. a real it's a real kind of we get a lot of tourist business in this town town but it was beautiful and it was lovely and i would absolutely go back that's the that's the main thing as well we did two and a half days of just walking around sightseeing and i was like we didn't even see half of it um so yeah. uh uh lovely 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 town lovely people as well every every kind of person we bumped into or spoke to briefly or had an interaction with were so nice um yeah that was really really nice um, was it your first time in italy no me and me and actually one of my friends who i went with me and him went in i think transition year to rome on a school trip Rome doesn't count, count, and a school trip doesn't really count either. I mean, it was very fun. Uh, We were we were teenagers, so there was that air of boldness about it. Fountain in the Colosseum, and we did see the Trevi Fountain is very nice. I will say it is. There was Uh, not as very nice as Venice. No, no, that's why that's why they call it Venice. um the coliseum when we were there there was like restoration work going on when we were there so oh. it, was like, it was actually very limited what you could do that happened um, to me when we went to disneyland with the haunted mansion doesn't that always piss you off when the the rides you want to go on are being redone surely the haunted mansion should be as dilapidated as possible no well but not apparently not, not, it's an illusion not not in a insurance liability way i guess no. um uh, but yeah that was that yeah. and uh, I, I am also a big fan of italy i gotta say we've been to italy a few times hmm. me and natty went in 2016 and was bloody good and we have been planning to go back ever since it is yeah i mean the only the one thing i would say because I've, I've said this i've said to everyone i was like i would 100 recommend you go uh blah 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 uh one thing i would say is and this is so like first world problem extremely well off uh uh situation it is kind of like a little bit going back in time because they have much stricter COVID rules. Ah, um, okay. Well, Italy was obviously a hot, hot, hot. Yeah, complete. Yeah, I mean, I totally get it. It was no, um, and it's like, I was just, is very funny that we were shocked by that. It's like, we've been like a week removed from it and already we're <laughs> already, we're like, oh, what? We need to do what? <laughs> That's it's why like, your monocle fell off. That's where, that's where my monocle initially <laughs> came off my face and I had to fish it out for the opera. Um, so that was kind of the thing where it's like, okay, we just got like loosened up back home. And then when you go on a holiday, you've kind of have to get back into that mindset, but it was fine. It, di- it didn't, it didn't deter the holiday in any sense of the word, but it was like, you know, it's just something to, to note. Uh, but right. also that, that, that may be plenty of places in the world for the foreseeable. That's just life. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, it was lovely. And, uh, I think that's the, I think that's really the only life guff other than stuff that will be covered, uh, on the upcoming guffs. So yeah, what have you been up to yeah. this week? Um, nothing as exciting as uh, going on holidays. I would definitely, mm. I think Italy generally, I would recommend. I think that gets a big recommendation from the podcast. Absolutely. Anyone's thinking of going on holidays anytime soon? Italy. Uh, no, I mean, I've never been Venice side. I've never been on the, the far coast. I've only ever gone to the, the west coast mm. of Italy. West is um, best. You, you know, we don't want to get into that uh, rap battle. But... Um, yeah, food is always great. I tell you what, underrated. I know while you're immediately going to be drawn to the pizza and the pastas, I think Italy has a surprisingly good steak game as well. Oh, interesting. Okay, and, uh, and the gelato, obviously. The um, gelato is very good. Yeah. No, uh, our local uh, urban market started up again this week, so we popped down to visit. And I know um, Barry, you were very impressed by my mention last week of the terry's chocolate orange mini yes yes did you get your hand on, on i that? actually didn't i actually didn't yeah oh, I, don't think, I don't i don't think we've been to a tesco since i listened to that show so oh. 
well, they're waiting for you. We need to do <laughs> But uh, there was a little bakery stall in in this market, new one, which had never been there, at least that I've not seen before. And they were selling some uh, some goods, some products, some wares, including, and I did have one, a Terry's chocolate orange brownie. Oh, tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> it was very good. It was, it was a chocolate-flavored brownie with a little... Uh, Terry's chocolate orange slice on top. Yum, 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 yummy, yummy, yummy. Mm. Very good. Also got myself a big old donut. Because uh, there's a place there that does donuts. Big Oreo donut. I was about to say, what variety of donut? Very I do good. I do love an Oreo donut. An Oreo donut. Um, and we picked up some candles, because obviously Natty and I are big candle people. You can Barry can just see them on the corner of my Yeah, I can see there. a little bit of aura here. A little bit of uh, exotic mango, I think, is the uh, scent of that one. Uh, and apart from that, the only thing of any note is uh, I, as we approach, and I know it's already happened in the UK, as we approach the the changing of the clocks, mm. uh, for me is also uh, notable because with the changing of the clocks comes the changing of the clothes. Uh, because what I do is I have um, quite a large wardrobe. Not, not. not <laughs> I don't mean my wardrobe is very big. I mean, I own a lot of clothes. Um, and what I do is I have half of the clothes that I wear at one half of the year, let's say winter. And then at this time of the year, I get the bags out with the other clothes and swap Oh, them. okay. So you, you, put, you put the others into cold storage. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So I'm wearing a t-shirt now that I've not worn since maybe last August, last September. Um. And I don't know, I just, you know, I have so many clothes that I would just never wear them anyway. I just wear the same. And what I found last time when I was, was doing the big swap, I found that like 90% of my clothes were just like black t-shirts with a logo on them. Well, yeah, we are. And I was we like, okay, I'm going to try, I'm, I'm try and purposely get all my like reds, blues, greens out and have the black in store. So now, my, now I'm back to the black t-shirt philosophy yeah and, and football jersey after football jersey um but uh yeah i mean look back before uh the pandemic i used to work in the office and football jerseys were a no-no and so i was kind of forced to wear other <laughs> i don't know if t- football shirts are not allowed but like band t-shirts are fine wait, wait, that's what i was gonna ask was it a general kind of office wear or was it specifically football sorry specifically did, you, did you work in a pub in glasgow <laughs> I don't know. Specifically, like um, band T-shirts were fine. Uh, video game were fine. Football, no, no, no. Wow, that's football jerseys. That's very odd. Anyway, I don't work for that company anymore. Anyway, so fuck them. Um, that's basically everything for my. It's been a very uh, calm week. Well, that's uh, good for me. Um, but yeah, that's basically the life guff. I don't think anything. Guff. Else, Matt, uh, report any any plans? We've got the we've got the rare double bank holiday coming up. Any plans oh, for that? I think I'm going to be working. Oh, I think okay. I'm going to be working. My job is based in the UK anyway, so um, I might float the idea because uh, it did actually come up. We, we I had a meeting today with some people f- who are based in Ireland, and they did mention oh double bank holiday, and I was just sitting in the corner going, hmm, I wonder if anyone's going to go. Paul, are you working? Because you know, if I get asked. Yeah. I'll say, oh no, double bank holiday, I'm off. But I'm not going to be the one to push right. forward because the you know the work I obviously can't talk about the specifics, but the work I'm doing at the moment, a lot of the project work is kind of crescendoing now. 
So right. I feel like it would be a little bit unfair on everybody if I was like, Tara, I'm off for a four-day right. weekend, folks. As nice as it would be. And also then I would also come back on the Monday to four days of missed work. Right? Well, that's, two days, that's two the days of missed work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my yeah, my work is based in the, in the, in the UK as well. So we, we kind of have to haggle amongst ourselves to see who covers yeah. them, basically. I, 90% of the time, I do them. But for whatever reason, I was just kind of like, obviously, you know, things like the house hunt and stuff at the moment, very tired. So I'm just like, and like, as great as that holiday was, it was a lot of getting up at the crack of dawn to, <laughs> to spend two hours on a motorway to get a plane to yeah. then spend two more hours on the motorway. Some kind of like the long weekend to be nice. And the funny thing is, like, uh, like, the reason I typically work it, and in my, I mean, like my eighth year at this job now. The reason I usually work Patrick, Patrick, I just fucking hate it. It's just such an annoying. I, I hate it. Patrick. I mean, and I'm, I'm like, you don't, you don't drink. Like, I'm someone who likes to go out and have a drink, and I enjoy being in the pub, but not on St. Patrick's Day because no, the entire world is out and people completely lose the run of themselves. I mean, Irish people love to make fun of like Americans and English people for the way they celebrate fucking Patrick's Day. There is no one who celebrates Patrick's Day well. You all make a tit of yourself when you do it. Um, yeah, I, I find you know I've been in, I've been in Limerick for it. I've been in Dublin for it. I, I I think I think I've been in Galway for it. It's just kind of like it's always messy and psychotic, and everyone's like up to ninety, which is why I usually work it. But this year, I think we'll probably take it off the two of us and like go for a drive away from the city or something. Yeah. And just have like a normal day off, you know. Um, yeah. Um, so so look for look forward to that next week talking about having a quiet drive and a walk. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you can't wait for that, listeners. Life um, Ooh, I saw sheep in the field. Ooh. But uh before all of that we will we will jump into this week's remaining guffs, uh, yeah. including a bit of music guff. Now I see you are adorned in a in a ghost tea. Um surely that is to coincide with our little co marketing deal we got because they have a new album out. They do, and I listened to everything that came up before this, and without spoiling anything, this is this is a very good music week. Good, and uh, you know, certainly an album came along that I think it's going to be hard to beat for uh, for album of the year. Uh, so, Ghost's new album Impera is out now. I listened to it. I actually, without uh, you know, doing myself in, I actually. I uh, got to listen to it a, a day or two early. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Because, you know, as with video games, less so films now, but certainly video games and, and music and the like, you know, you order um CD or whatever, it gets sometimes it gets delivered early. Yeah. You know, you, but um, nevertheless, I did want to listen to it anyway. Uh, I actually got an Apple Music free trial because... Um, just purely the fact that Apple Music's uh, audio quality is better than Spotify's. Spotify is still as as ubiquitous and and user friendly as Spotify is. Their their uh, file quality of their songs is not as high, as high as you might expect. So got a little Apple Music free trial, which I, I cancelled immediately, but I got that. Listen, gave the album a few listens to. Um, now I will say it's already been very polarizing. In the uh, in the community, the gay seen, community, yeah, I've seen, <laughs> the ghost community. Uh, <laughs> I've I've seen some some mixed takes. I would mixed say takes. Yeah, I don't know that I disagree really with either side because I'm obviously predisposed to liking it, and I definitely think that I don't think there was a track on it that I really 
I really thought it was bad. Even tracks that I'd expressed a little bit of um, worry about in the lead up. I think in the context of the whole album, I think they work better than they did as individual tracks. It might even be a case of the album and the way the album was structured kind of being a, uh, you know, the album is better than the sum of its parts to right. an extent. Okay. Um, so it, it's, it's interesting for sure because definitely what this album has done, which no album has prior to this has, it's really lent into 80s. I want to say bordering on like hair metal Okay. As a sound, so very like Bon Jovi sounding. Okay, very um, Iron Maiden, Journey, lots of synths, like ding 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 ding. You know, as opposed to the kind of dark broody sound that they're accustomed to, which I find I'm find kind of find myself conflicted by because on one hand it's obviously so far out of their wheelhouse. That you know, if you're if you're really accustomed to what they've done to this point, you're going to be a little bit turned off by oh, this isn't the ghost I know, right? And yet at the same time, it feels overly safe in a kind of the sound is very recognizable. It's very right. poppy. Um, there's nothing on there that is going to be too um, controversial by virtue of its sound. Like there's nothing that's too heavy, or there's nothing that's too. Uh, lyrically you know occult based it's all very i want to run to you babe <laughs> you know which doesn't say it's bad because I, like i said i think overall i i i like it uh would i say though that it's in the top tier of like if even if you were to separate the the ghost's discography into two tiers i think i would have in the top tier the first, third, and fourth albums, and maybe in the tier below, the second one, and now this one. Okay. Um, that's not to say there aren't tracks on it that I really, really, really love, because there are. But I just think, you know, overall, I think there's too few risks taken, even though the move to that sound, and that not every track on the album has that sound, but generally the move to that sound... Um, while the songs are catchy and while the songs are good, I don't know if it's what I necessarily want from this band. Right. Despite me saying a few weeks ago that one thing you know about Ghost is from album to album, there's always some kind of evolution. Yeah. One, it's hard to describe because even though the sound is very different from what's come before, somehow it feels more like a, a step to the right than a step forward. I guess is it. It kind of sounds like I don't know if this is a word you would use. Is it a broadening of the appeal they're trying to have? Yeah, yes and no, because I feel like they've been broadening their appeal since the third album, right? But it, it didn't like that. Didn't necessarily mean that they had, they moved so far away from their core values, and not that they even have here. In a sense, they have, and yet there is still stuff on it like "Call Me Little Sunshine," "Hunter's Moon," which are the singles they brought out, which are very of Ghosts' wheelhouse. Um, and yet, I don't know. There's just elements of the album that, I guess, in a, in very simple terms, there's elements of it that work really well. The elements of it that I'm not super big fan of, and I guess the stuff that I'm not such a big fan of is the, like I said, the the more simple, I guess, journey sounding songs that are. You know, obviously, it's it's made for arena filling rock, and you know, nearly every song has you know, after it hits the chorus for the third time, it has the 
here we are now that the crowd are gonna clap right. out now. Okay. You know, the music cuts out and you just have the drum doom, tsh, doom, for the crowd to you know clap along with. So it seems like it's been structured for big, big crowds. Um and actually my favorite song on the album is 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 a new one. It's called Griftwood and it's uh really an earworm. Um, and it's definitely of that sound, like I said, that I'm generally not a big fan of. And yet the best track on the, on the album is that. Um, one thing that I, I think it lacks badly is uh, a, a good instrumental track. Uh, because historically, they've had interspersed in the albums two or three decent length instrumentals. Okay. Uh, we actually used one for, or I did in the edit, for the our show outro um maybe two or three years ago before we went back to uh don't wake me up um and that was called miasma that was uh with a saxophone solo it was like a five and a half minute is really great instrumental yeah and here it has some instrumentals but they're like 30 seconds long and they're really only extended intros to other songs there's no instrumental that you would mark liked on spotify to listen to in isolation you know um and I think that those tracks were, were good for the flow of the albums, I guess, because you would get a break between big uh, ballad here and big metal track here. You'd have a nice instrumental in the middle of them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I don't usually give scores, but I, I would say it's like a uh, like a strong seven okay. for me. Um I and I I would almost say you know maybe repeat listens it'll grow on me but I've already listened to it like six times <laughs> you know well that's a good sign in and of itself you know yeah I mean and I found myself humming the tracks the the, the other day as well I was like well must be a good sign they're warming warming the way into my brain um I'd say overall I think it's probably their weakest since uh, Infestissimum not as good as Meliora not as good as Prequel um. And yet, I like I still marked every track basically liked on Spotify, even though they are variances of like from from good to very good. Right. Uh, I didn't get around to doing it, but I was I was interested just for myself that if I was to make like a top twenty ghost tracks of all time, how many of the new album would get into like the top ten? Like maybe one or two. Mm. You know, like anyway. Listen to it and make up your own mind. Ghost Impera. Yeah, I think I will. I do like Ghost, so I might check it out. I do. I like Ghost a lot. And, you know, I think it's it'll be an interesting uh, counterbalance between the old fans and people who kind of come to Ghost at this stage. I think that's where the distinction is going to be, where people are either going to like it or not. Um, I, I, well, I've seen on like on Reddit and, and places like that, people, people seem to be either very hot on it or very cold on it, um, which I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of not neat, not really either. I'm obviously closer to the hot, the hot side than the not. Yeah. But I'd be interested for people um, who seem to, you know, jump on at this stage how they would react to it and maybe not see such a difference between it and the older tracks. But I don't. Um, but as I said. An album that's going to be hard to beat uh, for album of the year. It's not the Ghost album. Uh-huh. It's not the Ghost album. It's Multitude by Stromae. Or Stromae, as it's actually pronounced, as I learned this week. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Stromae at all, Barry. No. Uh, you might have heard Alors en Danse. Um, 
which was covered or sampled recently by, I want to say Charlie XCX. XCX. Was that yeah. It was called like Out Out, I think. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know that. Yeah. Laura does. Anyway, Stromae is a Belgian uh, singer songwriter, but is actually. When you think singer-songwriter, you think, I'm here with my acoustic guitar, like Ed Sheeran. <laughs> but he's like a rapper, for all intents okay. purposes, right? Uh, with, uh, but, but he does write the music. So is, he, he's in charge of production as well as the rapping. So musically, I would say, picture in your head a Calvin Harris or Clean Bandit type of sound, right? Okay. Interesting. Um, so, you know, this is his first album in, I think... Eight years. He brought out two albums. Uh, Alor and Dance was super big in 2009. Then brought out another album in, I think, 2013, which is also very big across Europe. And now he's back with Multitude, which is, uh, like Ghost, actually, a very big step away from his wheelhouse because while to this point he had sounded like a French language, like I said, Calvin Harris, clean band. Right. This is very uh, unlike that. It's not very... Um, like pop beat heavy. It's very um, soulful. It's very lyrically um, uh, intense. Songs, for example, two of the singles he put out are one is called L'Enfer, which means hell, and one is Fils de Joie, which means like son of joy, I guess. But it's about like the lyrics are like, I'm a son of a bitch. Da, da, da. Oh, what a twist. Um, yeah, well, Fils de Joie is about, it's from the, he, apparently he, he had watched um, a kind of French language equivalent of like Late Late Show, where people are, like normal people are interviewed as opposed okay. to like stars. Celebrities, right. right. And there was, uh, there was a, a uh, interview with, um, they were called uh, people who had been like children of prostitutes. Okay. So prostitute children, right? And they're telling stories of how, um, you know, the mother would have, have people come to the house and one of the men would come out and say, I'm after fucking your mother, basically, to the <laughs> child. I know. And he's saying, like, it's incredible that, you know, th- these men who have obviously no values, who are saying these completely inappropriate things to, like, a child. Yeah. And so he wrote a song from the point of view of someone whose mother has to do this job, which is, right. you know, the job itself is not valued at all by society, but exists and will always exist. Yeah. And... um and so he wrote a song about, you know, what that experience might Sounds be. Sounds deep. A little bit. And then Unfair Hell is about his, uh, those eight years when he didn't release any music, when he went into a bit of a, an isolation, a bit of a, uh, became a bit of a hermit. And it's about, you know, the chorus, literally the chorus lyrics are like, um, I've had suicidal thoughts and I'm not proud of it. Right. Um, sometimes, you know, you feel like, that's the only going through with them would be the only way of silencing those voices. Right. You know, that put you through hell. Um, but like musically, it's very, uh, like world music. He's, he's obviously, he said that one of his aims for the album is for you to not be able to pinpoint to any, any geographical location. So some songs are very Northwest Africa. Then you have, you know, Asian strings like Chinese, I uh, forget the name of the, you know, the string instrument, right? The two strings on it, I forget what it's called. Um, then you have Latin American beats, and it's all very well mixed. But yeah, song after song, great lyrics, 
obviously it's in French, but if you if you search on his YouTube channel, and I highly recommend uh, Unfair as a jumping on point. Um, he has the closed captioning in English, so you can get the translation okay. of the lyrics there. Uh, but there's one uh, <laughs> Unfair uh, in particular. He was uh, promoting on uh, the news on, on one of the. TF1, I think it was one of the French channels, and he was being interviewed on the news, and then suddenly he just the song starts playing, and he sings the whole song live, just sitting in the chair, as if he was sitting next to Anne Doyle on you know Six News on RTU1, wow. um, and it's great. It's like the songs are really, really get stuck in your head. They're not necessarily poppy, like I said, and yet he, this guy, definitely knows his way around a catchy hook, catchy verse. The lyrics are. Well written. He actually has something to say. They're often either very narrative or they're like autobiographical, right? Um, as opposed to I'm, I'm in the club, the bitches be shaking the asses, and I got loads of money. <laughs> there's no there's no track on the album like that. It's it's very very um, shocking at times, but very grounded in reality and very re- relatable. And uh, while I listen to Ghost. I don't know, five or six times. I probably listened to Multitude like 10 times. Um, and that I think that was the most um, striking thing, is that these albums, I don't think they come out even on the same day. I think Stromae was out a few days before. But I was doing some like cleaning in the house, and I put my headphones on, and I immediately went to put Stromae on and not Ghost. Right. So that was the, that was the thing. Um, so I'd give that one. And I know I don't normally give this one. I'm feeling a strong 10 on Stromae. Oh, he's gone and done it. He's gone and done it. He's um, gone and done it. I mean, it, probably the best album I've heard in five, six years, probably. Yeah. Wow. Multitude is the name. No. Stromae, which no. is maestro with the syllables swapped. There you know. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, you uh, learned. That was that, the no five-star fear from one Paul Griffin. <laughs> Not on this. Not on. Not on this podcast, sir. Um, yeah, very good. I, 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 I'll certainly check out Ghost, and and I mean, with that hearty recommendation, uh, I may have to to check out Strame as well. Yeah, L'Enfer. That's the track you wanted. That's your jumping on track. And Griftwood on the Ghost album. They're my tracks of the week. Okay. I'll probably give the whole Ghost album a, a spin. I mean, I would say. Um, how long is it? Uh, Forty-six minutes. That's all right. That's all right. You can live. Strame, I think, is like thirty-five. Uh, These boys are getting in and out. They're not. They're Goldberg matches. That's albums. that's what we want, absolutely. But that's what we want. Um, I, I did. I did listen to some new music this week, uh, uh, which is you know a bit of a rarity for me. Last night, in fact, I did. Uh, where why I was away on Sunday night, we did go to a gig here mm-hmm. in the famed Dolan's Warehouse here in Limerick. We went to see a band. Uh, like most gigs I go to, this was someone Brown I was familiar with that I I was not otherwise another great Irish band. See a band called The Scratch. Uh, which is a couple of boyos from Dublin and one from Cork and one from Limerick. Hmm. And their sound is very hard to pin down. I, at certain points, I was almost tempted to call them metal. I wouldn't go so far as to say metal, but like I would say very heavy rock uh, with some obvious Irish flavor. Uh, as well like alternative rock um, kind of yeah it was very unique first of all it was a it was a fantastic gig they are i, I haven't i haven't listened yet brona told me that they, they they do translate very well to you know like spotify or whatever they're there but they they do seem like they are primarily like an incredible 
uh, live music uh, uh, experience. Very animated, very charismatic, very crowd involvement based, you know, lots of lots of, uh, you know, encouraging people to get involved. They did, you know, uh, like straight away at the start, kind of basically encouraged. They were kind of like this central front area here is like the mosh pit, effectively. <laughs> that exact word. Nice. Um, but yeah, very, very interesting, unique sound, really great um, uh, percussion noises. Well, just really intense kind of it is a bit head bangy, but like I said, but it's not quite into metal territory. Uh, really, really, I think I think you might like them again. Like I said, I haven't I haven't checked them out on, on Spotify. I, yet to I see just, how I've seen here a video of theirs that I have already watched. Okay. Uh, they, they did a, an acoustic version of a System of a Down song, Aerials. What was funny? It's funny because they didn't do any covers at the gig, but I was kind of watching. They could, they, they could do some absolute banging covers, yeah. even though they're obviously they do their own songs, not a cover band. But um, yeah, just incredibly entertaining as a live experience, but also kind of like backing it all up, just like some really, really incredible songs. Nice. Um, so yeah, I would give a thumbs up to that, and I will. I'll probably, you know, I'll probably this week I'll probably be listening to a lot of them. Uh, on Spotify, and so maybe next week I'll follow up with some. Here's what I listen to, uh, but yeah, thumbs up for them, and uh, you know, thumbs up for. I've seen a lot of it in the last year. I've seen a lot of great Irish artists, and there is quite a lot of great ones uh, mm. uh, to to be following of all genres as well. Uh, so yeah, thumbs up there to. The I scratch. love when that happens. Um, more so, like I love when you um, go see a big band, whatever it might be, and then the support act you've never heard of, but they like. Do a great job. Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah, so that's a uh, music guff there uh, for the week. Uh, what about telly guff? I haven't really been watching much. I'm trying to think, what have I watched? Because it's been two weeks. Euphoria finished. Wasn't that good? Um, that season was, uh, I think I think it was evident from my reviews over the past few weeks. I know Joe stopped watching, but it was very kind of wishy-washy and, and a little bit ambitious in some places and a little bit stagnant in others. And I think mm. how, they, how they stuck the landing would have mattered, and I don't think they, they especially stuck it, which was a shame. Um, I think that show's having a teeny bit of an identity crisis, um, uh, whereas I thought the first season was like one of the best things HBO has ever done, and then this season was not. Uh, but yeah. Uh, other than that, I don't think I have watched anything new. What about yourself? Uh, yeah, speaking of, I think South Park is having a real bad season this year. Okay. Uh, on the fourth or fifth episode now? I don't remember. But I just watched the most recent one today. Uh, get this, Barry. I don't know if you, you're you're familiar <laughs> with this concept, right? Okay. Uh, but the teenagers okay. are like real moany and like... Oh just apathetic they don't do anything just yes i hate you bro that's the whole episode that does sound familiar yeah um so i don't want to say they're losing their touch but if we're resorting to teenagers are annoying um the well might be running a bit dry in south park land um yeah i think i've only enjoyed one of the episodes all five this year that's that's a a 20 percent hit rate which is down from their normal hit rate of about 50%. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's up. In, uh, the, the voices have been weird, but even more, sh- you know, scarily, the episodes have been really poor. So, so like, this is, this is like a season, and then they're also doing those movies. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, the movies, I really enjoyed I wonder because those those kind because we even like we, in the wrestling kind of context, you do often, th- those seem a bit more 
like events that do affect like mm. dynamite and the ratings of when South Park has a special as a video. Do you think it's kind of that thing of like South Park's always been very inconsistent? Do you know what I mean? Because they have that quick turnaround and it's yeah. kind of like sometimes you have an idea and they have to run with it. And if that initial idea is shit, they're kind of stuck with a shit episode. And sometimes it's great. Do you think it's the movies have a little bit of priority as quarterly yeah. cultural events that have to be hits? And then the weekly stuff is just farted out, you know? Yeah. I mean, the movies were unique in the sense that they were set in the future. And so that's always going to be uh, a thing that'll land, you know? Yeah. Whether you're going back to, like, Lisa's wedding, for example. Like, Simpsons in the future, that, that, that episode will always work the first time you do it. To, to an extent, South Park did that. But then even this episode didn't seem very, like, timely. There weren't any references that I caught to anything of the moment. It literally felt like, oh, Trey and Matt went, you know, airsoft. Uh, and there were annoying teenagers there. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. that's a lot of show. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very poor. In better news, we started watching the latest season of uh, RuPaul's Drag Race UK, okay. uh, which aired like months ago. We just never got around to it, so we're watching it now alongside the current US season, which is still ongoing. And I don't, you know, talk too much about it. It's great, but uh, there's one thing I noticed that stood out like a sore thumb, and it's uh, I'll make reference to that now, and that's the fact that US queens uh even the comedy ones are very oh my god oh ooh, your makeup the, whereas the uk queens come in like oh me fucking means. <laughs> <laughs> and it's such a cultural difference between the two there was one little mini challenge i don't remember what it was but it was one after another oh you're a fucking am oh, dressed like a fucking lady oh, oh me fucking oh, let me fucking fart out oh, sorry great it's tremendous they're so funny um, but i guess it's very rooted in like the the e- english idea of what drag is and has been yeah it's very I, I, it is, that is that is true i mean like yeah I, i'm just i'm still laughing at the idea not now Ru, i'm eating my eel pie you know. it's, it's very that it's Wait, very old-fashioned and very i've actually I, I've, I've never i've never really thought about that within the last couple of years when like drag race in particular has blown has up, blown up. but yeah. like yeah on on that joke because i've watched a, a decent bit of it myself kind of over the years and it is very much kind of like in the american ones when they become their drag personalities it's not even really a drag act they're kind of on some level just trying to be a good singer or trying to be a stand-up comedian or trying to be an mc whereas yeah. in this part of the world because it's true in ireland as well a drag queen in this part of the world is kind of the joke is basically just that they're a bloke in a dress ultimately is kind of what a lot of the humor is derived from um yeah. uh you know even down to like people like paul o'grady and stuff like that um oh, uh yeah that's actually that's a very interesting cultural difference between our, our drag cultures and i think definitely in the uk it seems although i'm sure it's it's maybe just not apparent to me by watching the show but in the U, in the u.s it seems like there's more of a merge happening between the identity of the queens yes. involved and you know they, they, it's almost like uh, i want to say it's almost like wrestling to an extent where they're playing themselves with the volume turned up right right and they find themselves and they often make reference to like you know uh, being beaten up and abused and etc and that the drag persona was their ability to be themselves truly you know yeah whereas so far in the uk i guess it's less developed in the UK to an extent, but it, it, it does seem a little bit like, oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know. Maybe just take it less seriously, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, uh, but that, very that is fun. 
that is interesting. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's Telegoff. Uh, Let's uh, get to the movies. What the world's been waiting for. Let's get to the movie Goff. Uh, I mean, I watched an oldie before we. We got a lot of new, really recent releases here. Uh, yes, I watched an oldie first, a little bit of a comfort movie. Rewatched oh. for the first time in a while, Hot Fuzz. Very good film. Uh, very good film. I would go so far as to say I really don't think I think it's very hard to pick a favorite in that trilogy. I go back and forth quite a bit. Um, and yeah. I, don't, I, I don't think there's a wrong pick, but I will say I think Hot Fuzz might be the best made of the three films would probably be my stance on it. Would, I would also say it's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I go back and forth, but I would. I, it's kind of one of those things where I think I have more um, uh, adoration for a zombie parody versus an action yeah. parody, but I, I, still, I still think Hot Fuzz overachieves and is a better... Movie. I think Hot Fuzz is just more kind of my kind of movie. Yeah. Is what it boils down to. And I think that I think the character I think the like Shaun of the Dead kind of it is, I feel like it's more rigid in its parodiness in that kind of like you can pick out like straight away you can kind of tell what Dylan Moran's character is going to be he's going to he's going to yeah. be the arsehole who will fuck it all up for them in the end type thing like you spot that a mile away and it rigidly sticks to that right to the end and that's not a bad thing it's like it's like wrestling it's like the predictable thing is sometimes good whereas at Hot yeah. Fuzz I'm like I was actually a little bit more intrigued in what the actual story and the revelations and the twists and the turns were yeah. uh, it does a lot of parody and twisting the obvious action jokes but then it's also interesting on its own merits as well yeah. Um, yeah, and I think Simon Pegg is he does such a good job in that first act of like he's satirizing it, but he could also do a deadpan kind of straight laced cop on like the bill. He could do yeah. that. He's really good. Um, it's very, it's very good because against type as well. Because you think of Simon Pegg as being very, he could be your your chum, could be your, yeah. your mate, and he's playing this very strict cop. Um, yeah, what I love about Hot Fuzz is that the the revelation once you know the mystery is solved is both simultaneously a really good explanation and and a really stupid explanation yeah <laughs> it's so dumb what it's like and, and and it sets up two layers as well where there's one explanation which makes sense and it's like oh that's not the it's a, a, there's a dumber explanation <laughs> that's the real one it's it's tremendous it's really really well written and even i think it's the best edited of those movies as well before yes. He went really heavy with it. I think it's really slick. Yeah. When, like, yeah, Baby Driver is, like, a little bit more indulgent. Uh, uh, yeah, Baby Driver, well. before we get on, I haven't seen, obviously, Last Night in Soho yet, but Baby Driver, I thought was really good in that element as well, but the story wrapped around it wasn't as good. It wasn't that And good. so I didn't really yeah. care about You still haven't seen Last Night in Soho? I still haven't seen it. It's good. I think it's... I it's, know, you and Joe are big. Uh, we, both, we both loved it. I... I, I Funnily enough, despite the fact that it's still very much a right film, I do feel it's like slightly safer than than those other ones. Like he certainly put his twist on it, but it's still kind yeah. of like you know, it, there's nothing too outrageous in there. Uh, but anyway, that's hot fuzz. Uh, On to our new releases, I guess. I watched the new Pixar film. Mm. Uh, I went to Disney Plus. Yeah, I heard zero about this. I had no idea this was even coming out until it. it plopped on the, the the disney plus screen uh the, that is the age we're living in um i enjoyed it i thought it was cute i thought it is kind of that typical it's not as good as soul but i think it's in that same ballpark your classic mid-tier pixar 
It's not anything terrible like your car sequels or anything like that, but it is also not up inside out yeah. Wally Toy Story. It's not any of that. Um, or you could put up in the middle if you really wanted to, whichever way you want to categorize it. I thought uh, I would. Yeah, I, 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 I remember I loved Up for years, and it's kind of one of those ones, the more I watch it, the more I'm like, yeah, it's not. It's not. It's great, but it's not in there. Um, Turning Red is, is, is um, it kind of, not to be reductive, because I, I don't think they're that similar. It is most similar, I think, to Inside Out in that it is kind of a parable for a, a child sort of, coming of age, becoming a teenager, becoming an adult, reconciling with uh, reconciling with their own personality, I guess, in a way, and learning to be accepting of their emotions and who they are uh, oh. with a little bit of the angle that kind of differentiates this one a little bit with a little bit of kind of reconciling with who you are while also dealing with family pressures and who your family want to be when you're at that pivotal age oh. of like 13. It's about this little uh, uh, um, I, I mean, listen, you know, it's not f- for me to say, uh, but I, I mean, I, I did see some people say it. it is a little bit stereotypical in that it's it's about this like girl who's like prim and proper and she gets great grades and her parents have razor focused expectations for her and they're like an Asian family. And I was like, they, they, they got a lot of Asian people to work on this movie. So it's not like, but I did think I was like, okay, that's a bit on the nose a little bit. <laughs> but again, you know, it was written and direct, it was directed by an Asian lady. So, you know, it's not like, mm. it's not like someone, you know, who looks like me saying, lads, have you ever noticed this about them? Um, <laughs> you know, so, it, but it, it is, it is, yeah. I, I did see some people pointing that out. But it's basically right. kind of like she's got this, um, uh, you know, great grades and, and her parents want her to, to be such and such a thing. Uh, but she wants to uh, uh, be something else and, and how she reconciles with that. And basically, when she gets angry or overly emotionally stimulated in any way, she turns into a big giant red panda, um, yeah. which is then a thing. The king of the, the Dublin Zoo animal. The king of the Dublin Zoo. I have my own adopted one, you know. Um, uh, so she has to reconcile with that. And again, it's kind of it, it, the reason I compare it to Inside Out, it's kind of like that thing of like, you know coming to terms with like sadness in inside out not a thing to be like shushed and ignored but kind of you figure out how to deal with it and it's really good i think it's animated quite nicely i think in like a technical sense i don't love it like in terms of its art style but one thing about these pixar movies is that they do keep advancing in terms of like their tech for lack of a better term in terms of like their textures look incredible when they want something to look fluffy it looks fluffy when they want something to look uh, uh, wooden and finely crafted, it really pops off the screen. Like that stuff is still great. Uh, voice cast is good. Um, I it just it did. I think the the laughs didn't hit quite as hard as I, I wanted. The emotional beats were a little bit predictable, um, mm. and it just it was one of those ones where yeah, you, you definitely couldn't knock it and say it wasn't good. But it, I don't know if I would rewatch it. I remember I think I put it in my letterbox though. It'll be it, it think it'd be a nice movie to show kids. Funnily enough, which is what these movies most of these movies are intended to be anyway. Um, I think it'll be a, it'll be a very nice uh, movie to show kids of a certain age, um, but yeah, that's certainly a recommendation anyway. As far as stuff streaming on Disney goes, yeah, I mean the fact that we as an audience can still enjoy them goes to show that how how strong Pixar are turning those movies out. Yeah, yes, and like, like I mentioned, Soul there's going to go. Soul also probably wouldn't be in anyone's like upper echelon of rankings, but it's like a perfectly good, enjoyable movie. Um, uh, Luca, on the other hand, now. Mwah! I still haven't seen Luca. What's the other one I haven't seen? Um, I mean, if if you if you enjoy uh, Italian seaside towns, you will like Luca. <laughs> I do now. Mm, yeah. Maybe I should check it out. Uh, before we get to uh, the Batman, which we have both seen, 
Um, uh, and I suppose we can have a little bit of a, a chat about that. Do you want to talk about what you watched this week? Yeah, I'll quickly go through my uh, continuing my Oscar. I've only got seven Oscar movies left. Uh, two weeks to watch seven movies. So I'm going to try and get through the rest of those. Uh, I watched Spencer, the uh, Diana movie. Stewart. Yeah. Now, I don't know, again, if you know this, Barry. This might be news to you, but Princess Diana, the Princess of Wales, mm. was such a free spirit. Mm. Um, she's dancing, dancing alone in the halls. What? She is truly a free spirit. Love our da. <laughs> um, you know, I thought it was quite good um, in that it is a, you know, one of my pet peeves is biopics that show you the story from start to finish and don't do anything outside of that this does um it is you know i saw stuff before i watched it that likened it to like a ghost story or like a psychological horror in some elements and i definitely see that um they definitely put that spin on it which made for a more interesting um film watching experience so it's just nice to get a biopic that you know does something outside of the norm something like rocket man which is, yeah. I think, the last one of these that I actually enjoyed, where it, it, it took a bit of creative license with the story it was telling. Um, Spencer, for what it's worth, is just set in one specific week or so. I think it's over a couple of days. It's not It's not the story of Diana. Right. Um, uh, it's, it's over uh, a Christmas after she's just... I don't think she's quite divorced Charles yet, but that relationship is in full breakdown. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was very um, well acted. I, I saw some people say that um, Stuart was miscast. I don't know. I think she's she's fairly good. I think, But then I think the writing sets her up to just be... Like, there's one scene at the beginning where she comes in. She's, like, lost. She's driving on her own because she's a free spirit. <laughs> um, she's driving on her own. She's, she's, she's run away from the drivers and the... Um, entourage she's driving on her own to the queen's palatial estate she gets lost so she goes into like a a petrol station which is like a little cafe right she goes oh uh, excuse me uh, i'm just oh i'm I'm, oh i'm princess diana sorry (laughs) and everyone's just looking at her and i'm like they they've written her like just with the idea of what princess diana was like as a i guess a public figure as opposed to what she was probably really like that's kind of the thing that like poisons the well about a movie about any character but like especially Diana there's such a degree of like saccharine-ness about the way people talk about the real person let alone write a screenplay about her you know yeah um and that's the thing with Diana is while she is a free spirit as I've learned she um you know I forgot what my point was there <laughs> um she while she was a free spirit, she... Hmm. What was I going to say? <laughs> Let me think now. Let's come back. You were talking about how she was in the coffee shop and she was like, oh, I'm Princess yeah, Diana. Went, um, uh, yeah, no, I don't know what I was going to say now. She... Uh, da, 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 Princess Diana, Kristen Stewart. Hmm. No, I forget. Never mind, never <laughs> it's mind. It's got out of me. Head. i got to edit that out. I can't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> um... So yeah, I mean, it is. Um, you know, I think it's a, there's a, a good enough mix there of um, taking a biopic to to a higher level, doing something more interesting with it, and yet there are times, again and again, 
where it does just fall too much into the Princess Diana was free spirit. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. So you get like the end of the movie where she she goes to get the children and then there's just like before just right maybe ten minutes before the movie ends, there's like a five minute montage of her dancing in the the halls. And this is the thing, right? She's here's my point I was gonna make earlier. She is a free spirit, and yet, you know, I think people associate with Diana uh like she was too real for the royals, right? <laughs> she was a shooter. She was <laughs> No, but she was like the the people's princess, right? She's like one of us, mm-hmm. and somehow she's she's wrangled her way into the royals. She was born into fucking British nobility. Yeah. she wasn't. There was this idea of her as the people's princess is a facade. It wasn't real. Um, so yeah, I mean, a film about Diana is obviously only gonna really portray her in one way, and yet I I, I thought there was enough good about the film to just have it on the right side of, like I enjoyed it. Um, certainly better than King Richard. Yes, the movie about Venus and Serena Williams' daddy, mm, which um, I don't know about you, Barry, but if there's one thing I love in a film, it's a really boring, flat tennis uh, set piece <laughs> <laughs> that goes on forever. <laughs> Listen, that's their live, all right. I know. Well, here's the thing, right? You think Will Smith, having been in like Ali, which for you know all its problems, Ali at least had a really unique way of shooting, like the boxing, to make it look very realistic, right? So you think, okay, here we are, twenty years later, movie about tennis. What way are they going to make that those like sport scenes feel very like they're coming through the screen at you, feel very real, right? And what they did was just put the camera on a dolly behind the tennis players and just wheel it back and forth mm. that's the answer <laughs> yeah and so the movie ends with this climactic tennis match and you're just like i, I couldn't give a shit who wins this tennis match this film is so fucking boring even um, even the wrestler did some interesting stuff you know with- absolutely the wrestler did interesting yeah. stuff that final um, shot most notably absolutely now obviously we're gonna have a bias towards the wrestler but um you know there are sports movies that take the sport and elevate it to a cinematic version that makes for exciting watching. And King Richard is not that. Also, and I know we're beating a dead horse here. Uh, it's too fucking long. <laughs> it's two and a half hours long. What? For a, I, a biopic uh, about tennis. But like, um, but, and, well, like, like, so he was basically, he was like, obviously their father, and but like their mentor and all this other stuff. But like, do, how, did, how could it possibly justify that runtime? Uh, it know? doesn't. It really yeah. doesn't. It's it's a lot of it is tennis, um, and the tennis matches are not exciting and are not well shot and are not fun. No Waluigi, and no Waluigi. No, it doesn't have the super jump up and does do a flip and hit the ball. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's Will, like Wilson's good in it, I guess. Um, but I was I was very unimpressed by it. I thought it was. Uh, absolutely tick tick the boxes biopic tat mm. and a long one at that I would have watched fucking being the Ricardos ten times before I <laughs> uh, don't say things you can't take back now come on <sighs> yeah no good no good well no, look it's not bad I think I gave it like two and a half stars or something. it's not bad per se it's just very by the numbers okay and a long version of that to which, you know, as we talked about in recent weeks, I know I got an email about it last week, but stuff like 
Batman, Drive My Car. You know, you can have a, a good long film and keep you wanting more. King Richard, no, no, no. Yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting email. I, I, I kind of agree in general. Like, listen, this is the, I cannot believe this is the example I'm pulling as a positive because I was expecting to hate it, but I have to give credit where it's due. Listen, I thought I enjoyed Zack Snyder's Justice League, which I yeah, did not expect to like, too. despite the fact because it was Zack Snyder and it was four hours long, but I can't pretend I didn't easily watch it in one sitting with very little issue. I mean, you know, it can be done. Uh, you know, um, it can be done. Spider-Man again for complete opposite side, you know, well, opposite. No, it's also a superior movie, but you know what I mean? Um, but yeah. And on that note, we will, uh, we will transition over here. So you, you talked about the Batman last week, um, in very vague terms, very vague terms. Um, I don't know if we, if we want to do a little spoilery cast here, mini spoiler cast. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what I would say is if you don't, if you don't want to hear about the Batman at all, hmm. and you want to go into it cold, which I would recommend. Jump forward, I don't know, what, 15, 10 minutes, 15 minutes? 10, 15 and if minutes. And if you're hearing us talk about Elden Ring, you yeah. know you've hit the right spot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Um, also, like, I've, I'm fairly sure anyone who cares about spoilers probably would have seen it by now. But if not, do skip ahead. Uh, yeah, so I saw it, uh, uh, like, the day after I came back from Italy. I was very excited to see it. I was traveling with two lads who had seen it and absolutely loved it and couldn't stop praising right. it. Uh, so I went to see it. And I thought it was a really good movie until it wasn't, uh, which unfortunately was a fairly sizable chunk at the end. Right. And that had that soured me on it. And I've kind of been thinking about I've been I was very back and forth on it. This is one of those ones where I was doing the old letterbox review and I was like, I do not know what to give this film (laughs) because I don't really know how I felt about it. Because I, the problems I had with it were largely to do with how certain story threads were concluded and a lot of third act stuff that I felt nullified the stuff I did like. Uh, I will say that most of the stuff I liked is a lot of the stuff that, that's been talked about a lot. Great performances yeah. basically across the board. Kravitz, Pattinson, Wright, uh, Circus, uh, Farrell, Dano. All great. All great. Uh, and all doing, all doing weird. Well, I was gonna say doing weird stuff. Not Paul Dano. He just always plays that kind of freak. Um, but um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Pattinson is just really great. Circus, uh, an in- an interesting role for him uh, uh, to sink his teeth into. Um, uh, who else did we? Uh, uh, Farrell, obviously, with the big, huge, transformative kind of prosthetics performance. Loved all that stuff. Uh, I saw some people didn't like the way it looked. I know, I know, friend of the show, uh, um, uh, Marcus didn't like the way it looked. I did think, and this is a trend in in a lot of blockbusters lately. I don't know what the incredibly thick layer of blur on like the peripheral of the the screen is about lately. Um, but other than that, I thought it looked really nice. Um, uh, I thought their their fake Gotham was nice. I thought while it is definitely washed out emo palette. Um, uh, uh, I liked that version of Washed Out mm. Emo Palette. Uh, I know some people are, are kind of done with Emo Batman in general. Listen, I'm all about it. I, I, I think that's the best way to present that character. Um, uh, to that end, I thought the general vibe of the story going in way more than any other Batman film has on the idea that this guy is 
basically just a weirdo trying to overcompensate for his own failings and then also trying to compensate with for the fa- or deal with the fact that he's not he doesn't seem to be actively fixing anything. I thought that was all really interesting and where things fell down to me in the third act were um I thought it the the, the whole final act of of the of the story turning into basically a Nolan-esque Batman set piece with the with the riverbanks. I thought was I didn't even necessarily hate that in isolation, but I, I definitely felt like wait pick pick a type of movie and make it was kind of my feeling uh, when you look at how they presented that whole first half of the film. Um, so I didn't love that, and I also thought that there was a lot of kind of uh, um, we've written some very big uh, daring ideas for a blockbuster Batman movie, but uh, they're they're. We're just going to have some very quick lines of dialogue at the end to just step away from the edge just a teensy little bit. Um, like the Nolan movies, this one goes so ham on the idea of like corruption at every level. Characters are like killing themselves rather than rat out people because the cops <laughs> and the mayor and the district attorney and Penguin and oh my God. And then the ending is like, uh, Commissioner Gordon went and rounded up the good cops, of which there are loads, by the way, um, <laughs> uh, to arrest the bad guy. And I was like, um, okay, okay, that's kind of in, in, in contradiction to what you've been telling me for two hours. Uh, and then, like I said, I like the idea that this is the movie where, as a lot, as some of the more notable comic books do in Batman's history, wrestles with the idea that this guy is just a weirdo shithead in an outfit that's, that's doing this for his own ego rather than to actually fix things. And that culminates in effectively he loses right in this in this movie. He does a shit job of solving all the riddles. He he gets stuck on the Spanish thing like I would for about an hour in the movie. Um, uh, and then you know Riddler has this big plot to break the riverbanks of Gotham, which he succeeds in, and he carries out this mass shooting and all this other stuff. And I was like, wow, interesting. They just had like Batman just like fucking lose for this whole film, and then like. Just because he like pulls out a flare and guides some people to safety after fucking everything else up, he has like a, a, a sort of knockoff Dark Knight monologue at the end of the movie where he goes, actually, I'll, I'll be a symbol of hope instead, actually. And it's like, oh, oh, like that. And that one bit of dialogue and that one scene is basically how they kind of make it seem as though actually he's been redeemed. And there's a completely bizarre scene in, in, in Arkham, I guess it is, at the end of the film, when when Riddler has gotten his way, he's destroyed everything. Uh, he's killed people. He's 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 done all this stuff. But then, because he sees Batman on the news being a symbol of hope or whatever, he's like annoyed that he lost or something. And I was like, this is so unearned. This is so unearned. And it's like it's like compare it to the sort of. I know it's so passe at this stage, but it's a perfect comparison for this movie. Compare it to the Joker-Batman dynamic of Dark Knight, you know, where all of that stuff felt really earned and that, that ideological battle between those two characters felt much more uh, uh, earned and justified. Um, and, then, and speaking of the Joker, I mean, I just... You can't say, oh, well, this is a real film. This film, this film, let me tell you, this is no, this is no fucking... This is no fucking uh, uh, blockbuster slop here. We're making a real fucking movie with a real director. And then you still have to tease that the Joker will be in the next one. Um, I thought that whole scene was so cringeworthy and so lame. Um, uh, and I just rolled my eyes at it. Um, so, yeah, I, I, 
it wasn't even just I, I, a lot of people I've seen criticize the the, the action set piece um, in the third act. I didn't even necessarily hate it in isolation. To me, more so, it was kind of like they they stepped back off the edge for a lot of their wilder plot points in the final act, and I I, I felt very disappointed with a lot of it. Uh, and like I said, it then makes me go back and look at the two hours that I did like and go, oh well, you know, would I would I rewatch this movie knowing how it ends? Um, and I, I'm not sure. I probably will, but I don't know. Um, hmm. But yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know that I disagree very strongly with any of your opinions. Um, I obviously like the movie a full star more than you did, Barry. Mm. Um, like I was totally enwrapped in the first two hours. Yeah, to the point of it being like my favorite Batman movie. Like the first two hours for me were like ten out of ten stuff. I loved, and I, I I alluded to this last week, but I loved that this Batman and you've made this point. This Batman hasn't quite figured out what it means to be the full package yet. He's it's not an origin story, but he's not quite the the total package. And um, I like that he uses his environment to emphasize the idea. Like the idea of Batman is worse than Batman is almost. Mm. So he's. You see the little montage at the beginning where you have the three crimes happening at once and they're, they're looking into the shadows. And like the idea of Batman being there is what is the truly frightening thing. And I like that that performative element also applies to very much to the Riddler's character, um, to an extent the Penguin. And I like that that's kind of a motif throughout the film. Even when you see the Batmobile for the first time and has like the blue lights um, and I was afraid that, okay, the, the Batmobile in this world, is that really going to work? And then once I realized that that seemed to be like a motif going through, that made the Batmobile scene make sense. Yeah. Um, and then at the end, like you, you've pointed out the, his kind of revelation at the end, I kind of read that as a, not just that he's like, oh, I'll be a beacon of hope, but that the way that he's been approaching Batman from the performative aspect, that that's, n- even though that seems to be at the beginning, how Batman works, that come the end he realizes that that's that's not what it needs to be he right needs to, to to really help you um yeah i mean i thought the as you said it it, it kind of it it's, it's almost like halo infinite in that it sets out to be one thing and then for the final act it's like oh actually we'll revert to type <laughs> yeah. like, no, you know stick with your convictions um yeah i didn't really care for the the big final scene um or the five-minute motorcycle montage. Oh, what was that? Oh, my God. Um, That's yeah, actually like, one, was... one positive I forgot to mention was that I have never really cared for Batman-Catwoman uh, dynamics, even in Returns. I just didn't really care about it. I thought they, I thought they were great in this. I, I, I did think that dynamic was well done. But yeah, why did they need the... I, th- I guess they were like, listen, we went back to fucking Glasgow to film this. We're fucking using the whole thing. <laughs> it was a bit like um, the end of Furious 7. When Paul Walker, Paul Walker. and Vin yeah. Diesel drive, yeah, it was a little bit like that. Um, no, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I'll definitely watch it again. Um, yeah, I mean, aside from that third act, there's not much in it I didn't enjoy. Yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of with you. I mean, for those first two hours, I was like, oh fuck, this is so great. I loved as well. I was a bit disappointed when he did eventually pull it out. I was like, <laughs> why was oh, oh, let, me, let me finish that sentence? Oh, phrasing, folks. Um, but his, uh, his, uh, the thing I was referring to being pulled out was his, uh, bat grapple thing 
I was like, for the first like hour and a half, he doesn't use it. And there's a lot of Batman like walking up to doors or walking out of shadows. And I was like, oh, this is fucking great because they're not like mythologizing the guy at all. He's just the first time he goes to the club, he just walks up in his full outfit and knocks on the door. I was like, oh, this is brilliant. This is so good. Um, but he did. He did eventually do a grapple away, but it was fine. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't overindulgent. There wasn't too no. much kind of like you turn around and he's gone. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I like that they took some some of the interesting ideas from the Telltale Batman stories. Yes, yeah. It felt like it felt like there was some inspiration taken from the kind of off the beaten track story that they they took with it. Yeah. Um, um, one 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 thing that like was definitely good, but I mean, I again, I I, I suppose I probably will rewatch it because I want to reassess certain aspects of it. Like Paul Dano was really good, and I did like the aspect of it where the, the first two hours of the film was a little bit more like a, a kind of psychological thriller, you know, crime thriller than, than yeah, I've seen it like Zodiac and seven, but that's kind of my problem in, in the sense of like, I felt like, especially that, that interrogation scene at the end with Dano and Batman, it, it, it was a little bit cliche. Do you know what I mean? It was a little bit kind of, Oh, I'm, he, like he's a, a phenomenal actor and, and I'm not saying it was terrible material, but it was kind of like, I, could have guessed the way this scene would generally play out before I saw it. And it's like this and Joker. It's like people looking at Joker and saying, oh, it's not really a superhero film. It's like Martin Scorsese made a Joker movie. I'm like, no, it's a much lesser filmmaker doing an impression of Martin Scorsese (laughs) movies. And that's a very important distinction. And I, Matt Reeves is a much better filmmaker than Todd Phillips. So I don't mean this as this level of insult, but it's like, Oh, it's a bit like seven. No, it's doing an impression of seven. There's a difference between being (laughs) like seven and doing an impression of seven. Uh, And I do feel like, and that's the constant thing these superhero movies do, even, you know, even ones like this that are more ambitious and are kind of a little bit more out there is it's not so much being made by in a different style so much as it's kind of like just superficially adopting a style in some ways. Uh, And it, and it, and it, and it's kind of like we said about the third act and, and even, even the the thing you mentioned about Bruce Wayne's parents, it's like, yeah, but then like, you know, uh, um, uh, Alfred's like, Oh no, he was good by the way. He he was good though. (laughs) It's like, because I feel like, not to give him all the credit, but I feel like I do feel like Matt Reed is like, I want to deconstruct this character. And Warner Brothers is like, great. You can like mostly do that, but we would like you to make three of these if at all possible. So, so don't do, so we've made a few changes to your script where Batman's a shithead loser who does everything wrong. Um, uh, and he, we'd like him to do things a little bit right at the end so that it can be another one. And also the Joker's in it. (laughs) <laughs> played by our very own Barry Keown. Yes, our, 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 our proudest son. Uh, he's 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 getting he's playing both sides against each other. Marvel and yeah. DC. He's like, well, that Marvel that Marvel one was shit. I'll flip over to the other side. <laughs> um, uh, I do. I mean, I do think he'd probably be a very good Joker. But it's just it's uh, like him. I I don't need to see Joker or Darth Vader again for the rest of my life. I mean, I, I, I just, when that Obi-Wan trailer came out, and you and I, I think we're both fairly Star Wars out a little bit, and I was like, okay, let's, oh, you and McGregor's good. Oh, look at that place. That's that's not Tatooine. That's somewhere a bit different. That's good. Ooh, Jewel of the Fates, love that. And then it ends, and they play the Darth Vader breathing. I was like, Jesus Christ, that, that cunt must never be home all the work he gets. Like, he's just fucking Darth Vader. He's at the studio every fucking day. Um, sure. um, you know, it's just like, God, give me, give us a break from these two characters. Um. But yeah, that is uh, that's 
Le Batman, as they say in France. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I yeah for all my for saying I wouldn't watch. I I do want to give it another watch now that I think about it because um, I don't know. It's certainly it's doing a lot. You can you can you can't say that. Yeah, I think there's a. I think the the ironically the things I liked most about it were the little thematic things or, or the, the 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 lines between the lines in to a sense mm. not to make me sound like some fucking galaxy brain film buff but like <laughs> this i guess in a sense the stuff that i read into it made me enjoy it more if that makes any sense even if it wasn't intended <laughs> yeah but maybe, um, maybe it was you know i mean it's yeah. it's it's but yeah um that was the movie guff yeah. there. For Tell me. us about Elden Ring. Yes, so I mean that's I was uh, I was holding out on 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 Elden Ring because I was kind of like, well, you know, I was like, let's wait until let's wait until everyone else beats it, and then if I get stuck, I can look up guides and things. Uh, but like, I was having a real, um, uh, you know, the episode of Friends where uh, Joey's chair breaks, so they get like a, a really cool recliner with speakers in it yeah. and shit. And then his chair gets fixed and then he's slightly annoyed because he's sitting in his chair that he initially wanted, but then he looks at the other chair and he's like, I want that chair. Let me tell you, I was sitting there playing horizon and watching everyone go mental <laughs> about Elden ring. And I was just like, especially now, now that I have played bloodborne. And so I've kind of gotten over that hump of, Oh, well I just won't play those games because they're just not for me. And I don't know how to play them and blah, blah, blah. And I was kind of looking at everyone. I was like, I want to, I want to play it. And everyone's talking about, oh, all the discovery. And, oh, I just wandered and I found this. And, all oh, these bespoke stories that just kind of came about. And I'm doing fucking Horizon. Okay, go to the spot, follow the trail, talk to this fucking shithead, do this quick time event, do this exact fight that I just did, loot this exact fucking thing, bring it over here. Ten minutes of fucking conversation. Jesus Christ, skip. Can you not skip this? Can this not be skipped? And I was just kind of like... The, as like the open world fatigue. even if Elden Ring wasn't coming out I feel like the uh, the, the, the open world fatigue has got to me it has it has finally got yeah. to me and I uh, especially now that I have played Elden Ring I mean spoilers for, the, for further on the conversation I really fucking like it um, it's it's, it's going to be very hard to go back to Horizon so basically one day I was kind of like alright I'm not going to trade in Horizon because I just got it and I did I did really like Horizon 1 I don't I don't want to dislike Horizon 2 so I was like, right, I'm not going to trade it in. But I was also broke. So I was like, um, uh, I perused the old uh, the old um, uh, shelf. And I was like, right, Final Fantasy Remake. I'm really, I played one hour of you, and that's about that's what it's going to be for the rest of time, probably. Uh, Watch Dogs 3, ooh, same. Time to get in the pile. And uh, Riders Republic, which I bought with a voucher at Christmas and played for about two hours and, and never got back to. So I was like, right, three of you into the bag, into GameStop. Didn't have to spend a penny in my own cash. Boom, Elden Ring. I was like, brilliant. Okay, let's go. Uh, before I get into the 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 things I like and all this other stuff and, and chronicling my adventures, I will say I got, I got two negatives right off the bat here. Go on. Um, I'm playing on PS5. Uh, my understanding is that there are basically no good versions of this game in terms of which system you buy it on. Uh, it seems like the next gen is not really up to snuff. Uh, uh, the PC is apparently a mess. I don't know if that's been fixed yet, but at launch it was certainly a mess. Uh, and the PS5 is like seemingly the best way to play, but it's far from perfect. I'm playing in the um, prioritized frame rate mode, as I always do, because I don't have a 4K TV. So I always go 1080p frame rate uh, and 60 frames frame rate, rather. Um, uh, and it just doesn't hit that. 
which is like you know a bit annoying it's above it's in that weird kind of space where it's above 30 but not quite 60 this is not a deal breaker by any stretch of the imagination but it's a teensy bit annoying it is a ps5 you know at the end of the day um the other problem is that one of the positives i mentioned about horizon a few weeks ago on this podcast was i was like if you've ever played an open world game on a ps4 and this is true of basically literally all of them uh and you've noticed you know as you're walking through the open worlds you know about 30 or 40 feet in front of your characters like grass popping in you know what i mean all the all the assets loading in the npcs walking on the street in the distance are animating very slowly because you know you're on a very limited system but horizon on the ps5 none of that it's all beautiful it loads in seamlessly you never you never see one piece of foliage pop in in horizon uh, elden ring very much not that um uh, the ps5 version has much thicker denser forestry than the old console versions but the counter is that sometimes it doesn't load in properly until like about 30 seconds after you've been walking in a meadow um uh, so it's just it doesn't feel like anything that can't be fixed in a patch and i've had zero crashes i've had zero serious bugs um but it does feel like the the visual performance aspect of that game is not perfectly optimized which is a shame because it is a gorgeous sprawling breath of the wild style game where it wants you to admire its foliage and its architecture and its rock structures and its statues it wants you to do all that uh so that's a negative the other negative is that uh just like all these uh souls games from these the from soft folks uh you don't have to but you're you you want to play it in always online mode you can get messages from other players that are very either very helpful or very funny uh you, you will get both uh you can be invaded by other players you can summon other players to help you uh Despite being technically single-player games, these are games that are very much enjoyed in a constantly online uh, manner. Um, Not just this game, but kind of all games. You'd include Hitman and stuff like that with this. Despite the fact that this generation of consoles we're playing on now have really emphasized uh, fast uh, booting down and booting up and fast hard drives, load your game up, suspend it, no problem. Um, Games that have an online connection still do not do that gracefully at all. Uh, and the same, right. and the same is true of Elden Ring. If you do not, it's it's like when you first went to your friend's house, the first friend you had who had a Windows PC, and they said, "Oh no, no, you don't just turn it off at the off switch. Actually, you have to click on this button and say shut down and do it properly because it won't work if you don't do it. Yeah, you don't just turn it <laughs> off. Um, that's Elden Ring. It's like no, 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 no. Right. You do not just suspend the game like you do literally anything else on the PlayStation Five. No, you go into the menu and you quit back to main menu. And this has been the way since like Dark Souls One, right? Because of their online functionality, you got to quit the main menu properly. But it's not enough to do that because if you quit back to the main menu and then suspend the app at the main menu and then you go back into it, uh, it has a little shit attack when it tries to re-log into the server. Again, presumably this is right. something they can fix in a patch. But when it says, oh, you've been disconnected, please log back in, the login button doesn't work. So you have to go back to the main menu or the, the, si- the system menu, excuse me, close the game completely and then open it back up. really not ideal i mean uh you know especially like i said we're on a new generation of systems the game doesn't run at a a perfect frame rate nor does it boot up quickly and i'm like okay this is a bit that's 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 what these systems do do you know what i mean i can play this game on a ps4 if i want i've chosen to play it on a ps5 um so that those are the two negatives other than that it's pretty effing excellent um across the board i mean the obvious comparison everyone's made has been breath of the wild and I will say that if that game, if that game tantalized you, even if you are a Souls virgin, I would say this game will almost surely scratch an itch for you. Um, it is, you go through your little tutorial, 
And then you have you have the exact Breath of the Wild moment where you come out of a cave and you're in this big, luscious green area with your little enemies off in the distance. And, oh, I can just about... I mean, it is such a gaming cliche, but so few games actually embody it. But it is the definition of, look at that thing over there. You can just go and go to it. You can just go and do that. Um, right. And it is the complete opposite of Horizon or Ubisoft's uh, map diarrhea where absolutely everything is there is literally nothing mapped uh, on your map when you get your map it is uh, fast travel points and i and i think that's it um in terms of like things you can highlight and have a, a subtitle pop up and say what it is the 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 map has illustrations on it but you know so i can look and say okay northwest of me there's a fort but it doesn't have a fucking question mark on it it doesn't say this is a base to be taken over it doesn't say here's a melee challenge to get a better sword it's a case of okay well on my map there is a castle i will go over there and explore it and find out for myself what it is um uh again it's 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 so weird that these concepts are still five years after breath of the wild they're still novel because literally no one else up until this game decided to copy breath of the wild um uh and and funnily enough i don't think anyone will after this either i think we're still going to get the other type the ubisoft yeah um and it is i mean i don't i don't want to take too many shits on horizon because again like i said i don't want i don't want to dislike that game but it 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 sounds like such a simple thing but it's one of those ones much like zelda that when you pick it up and play it you'll realize just how gratifying it is i mean it really is just kind of okay here's the critical path the game does point you in a critical pathway even though you don't have to go there but this is a fantasy role-playing adventure game so i'm going to go and walk down by the coast why because i want to see what's there oh there's a big hideous octopus monster oh i fought it and i won great and then you keep walking down and like oh there's a little cave i don't want to go to that cave right now i can you can make your own markers again a la breath of the wild you can just plop a little thing on your map so you know to go back there later again the game doesn't tell you this is a here's what type of dungeon it is and here's what type of reward it is no none of that it's it, you're adventuring you're exploring you're doing Explore, that stuff. You're, exactly. you're doing that stuff yourself i uh went to uh there's a river and uh a guy said oh there's a fucking dragon on that lake watch out for the fucking dragon and i was like i'll fucking fight the dragon i went looking for the dragon couldn't find it i kept getting killed by giant crabs um uh, <laughs> isn't that always the way isn't it always the way and so then i i the 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 river went down kind of a little lake way uh, uh, surrounded by uh, cliffs, and so I found uh, a dungeon. And the game, you know, again, Zelda side, it has little isolated. Like here are kind of levels, for lack of a better term. Here are little dungeons. Yeah. And I went through, and I fought a boss, and uh, I beat the bosses, and that was great. And every dungeon, when you beat the boss, it has a little teleport button. It's like, do you want to go back to the entrance to get out, basically? And I was like, right. oh, what's this to the left of that? There's there's actually more dungeon. It's easily missable. What's this? I go down here. There's a little room that they you very easily could have missed. And there's like one little enemy there. You kill him and then you, you keep going on. And then I'm on this island that when you're on the main island, you can see it in the distance, but there's no bridges. So you're like, how do I get there? Uh, but I found it myself just by kind of like saying, well, I'm not going to take the, the teleport back to the entrance. I'm just going to keep exploring. And I got to this weird island with a dead dragon on it. And it's it had an altar. And it said, do you want to do dragon communion? I don't even know what that is. But it's 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 weird and cool. And then, you know, hours later, uh, I bumped back into the guy who told me about the dragon. And he was like, oh, by the way, I don't know if you've seen that island, but you can do a thing called dragon communion. It's fucking cool. It makes you powerful, but it also makes you cursed. And I was like, okay, thanks, weirdo. And then completely... You know, hours later, again, I came across the actual dragon he warned me about. So I fought the dragon. I mean, it's it's just that 
stuff constantly on a loop. It's you're bumping into people and they're telling you things and and it's it sounds counterintuitive because sometimes games cannot tell you enough, but now we're in the era where they tell you too much. The game doesn't have a quest log. So I don't have a menu that says, oh, you bumped into Narlon, the dragon whisperer who said there's a dragon at the lake. <laughs> it's about you remembering it yourself. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and, and just, and it is kind of that thing of sometimes you'll get, you'll meet an NPC. They'll give you kind of more specific directions, less broad, where it's kind of like, oh, well, if you check out this fort north of the woods, that's my fort, but it got taken over. So maybe if you go and took it back from me, There'd be something in it for you. And even then, it doesn't plop it on your map saying you've learned about this. Again, it's for you. You look at your map. Here's the big wooded area. You can't miss the wooded area. It's a big comical, like, you know, green area. You go there and you go north and you find the fort and you do that yourself. Um, And it sounds like so simple, but it's infinitely more gratifying than we put it on the map. And then we give you a little mini map in the corner with the GTA uh, GPS thing telling you the exact road to go on do you know what i mean yeah um yeah so again i know these people have been talking about this game for three weeks this is all stuff other people have been saying but like i said this this game's breath of the wildness hooked me quicker than actual breath of the wild did if that made sense i was a little bit i was a slow yeah. i was a slow burner on breath of the wild i eventually got there um but this is what this is one of those things where i feel like it's not just oh souls but, but open world it's like no those two concepts shake hands way better than i think anyone probably would have anticipated uh, yeah. Like I said, the the messages other players can leave you, they're like way more useful now because you're in a huge sprawling world where you can go in any direction. So people are pointing you to, oh, uh, you'll get because you can only pick from pre-selected messages. So I'm walking along at the base of a cliff looking for a cave, and I bump along a, me- a message and it says, oh, for item seek up. And what they mean is, no, go back and go up the cliff rather than down the bottom of it to get you know a, a crafting item or whatever. Uh, and then also uh, people will leave messages that say finger butthole uh, and i'm like oh, yes very good no thank you i wanted i needed a laugh um um and and why is it always whole because there's you know they there's one of the you can warn people about like you know holes and pits and stuff like that and one of the main story concepts is uh the 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 the, the powers that be the, the fallen kings were called fingers the order were called like the two fingers so there's constant finger and hole jokes being left by players all over the world um <laughs> So it's just, it's just really, really, really great. I will also say there's been a ton of conversation as there is for all of these games about like, can I jump in now? Do, you know, is it less obtuse? Because they're not just hard in the combat sense. These games are tend to be very obtuse. I will say about this game, they, one thing they didn't have in Bloodborne, which I greatly appreciate is an Elden Ring. When you're in basically any menu, you can now press the touchpad button for help and it will tell you what every item on a screen means um right. because I, I i when i was playing when i was playing bloodborne thankfully i had a twitch chat who were all souls heads were telling me i don't know what like why would i level up dexterity what does it do the game doesn't tell you whereas in this game it actually does it's like you can when you're on the upgrade screen you can press help and you can highlight this thing levels up your hp this thing levels up your stamina this thing levels up dexterity what's dexterity well dexterity uh, is how you handle certain types of weapons um so it's similar to strength but it's it, it basically apply the dumb version is it it applies to like fancier weapons it's not just a sword you know um uh, and things of that nature there's a lot more um uh, um, tutorials in it uh they also um uh 
something that wasn't done in the older games. When you when you get a tutorial for a game mechanic, um, it's added to your inventory as like an item, so you can read it again later. Which is, again something uh, that the older games never had. Um, fast travel is completely unlimited. There are no resources to it. You don't have to be at a fast travel spot to go to another spot. You open your map at any time you're not in combat and you just go for at zero cost to yourself. Um, there's better checkpoints in it than 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 Bloodborne. Um, uh, and there's also the other games have uh, summons where before a boss battle, if you've met a certain NPC character on a side quest, they are an optional summon at the boss fight to help you. That's in this game as well. But also what they've given you is that you can also just acquire them sort of like weapons, right? So let's say you missed the NPC side quest for this first really tough boss, but you got... Uh, it's like an item you can just use whenever you want. So you always have a summon at your side to basically help you do a boss fight two on one. Um, uh, it's it's infinitely more accessible. And I would say anyone who has open world fatigue and is tantalized by this idea of, I just want a role playing game where I go into the fucking woods and I figure it out myself, this will deliver for you. And, and, and I say that as someone who was a huge soul skeptic up until very, very recently. Um, yeah, I'm about... 15 hours in so far i think i've barely scratched the surface i'm at the first major castle of which there are many 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 in the game so i who knows when i'll even finish it but um um yeah i i can't do anything other than just kind of echo the effusive praise it's gotten elsewhere to be honest um yeah have you have you been tempted at all paul by this oh absolutely um i think you would i like i said i think you would like it i know you, you know uh you haven't touched any of these games previously is that right that is right, but then I enjoyed the difficulty of like Metroid Dread, for example. Um, yeah, and the thing I, I understand it's not the same thing, but no, but I, I like think that. it's certainly. I mean, it's like it's it's a. It's, and I know this is like the stereotypical thing people say about this game, but it it is always fair, even if it doesn't seem like it at first. Like, there are some boss rooms where the boss comes charging at you before you've even got your bearings. But, it, you know, the thing is about it, you know, about, with these games, if you enter a boss room and the first thing that happens is they charge you at the door, it's like, okay, well, next time when you go in the room, you know, to dodge straight away when you walk in the door, you know, it's, yeah, it, exactly. it's, and it is one of those ones that like loss is kind of a part of it. I think, I think people have more of a sense of humor about this game than they get credit for. You can, you'll kind of be slapped around in a little bit in it, but you kind of have to take that in your stride and, and, and um, uh, it, it's, it's the, the, the defeats that make the, the the victory so thrilling you know i i'd be very interested to see what you think about it um uh again there were parts of bloodborne uh where early on i had to like off air and go grind elsewhere because it's like all right the best thing to do if you're stuck is level up and just that means but that would mean fucking three hours in an area i've already beaten grinding in this game none of that because oh i'm bumping up i'm on the story path to Stormvale castle and margit is like this first major boss that everyone on, on twitter is talking about because it's the first real hurt in the game and margit's kicking my ass okay uh go back from the castle and go the opposite direction you went previously go into the woods fight a bear okay i beat the bear and now i have enough lives to level up okay great uh this fucking weirdo told me about the dragon at the river i'm gonna go fight the fucking dragon um it very much is that there's like no real grinding because when you when you bump up against a wall and you have to kind of retreat for a little while, you can go and do something new, you know, um, uh, and that's great. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm sure there'll be updates in the coming weeks uh, from me on this, but uh, it, is, it is two thumbs up from, from myself at this stage, obviously. Um, yeah. Very good. And um, 
yeah, I don't really have too much to say about the other games. Obviously, I've, I've rambled on at this stage. I talked already about <laughs> uh, Sifu and Horizon, and nobody saves the world. I talked about them already on the show. So you know, uh, yeah. poor poor Horizon <laughs> is is is. Uh, I feel like it is going to be impossible to go back to it um, after this, but uh, we'll we'll cross yeah. that bridge later. I mean, that's the thing when the comparisons to Breath of the Wild. Um, you know, Breath of the Wild obviously is, despite how kind of it's it's laid the foundations for something like Elden Ring. Breath, Breath of the Wild is still at its core a very simple game. So I'm surprised that there hasn't been more games that have come out that have really, like, you know, obviously Nintendo and the Nintendo Switch is a much less powerful system. Mm. I'm surprised that companies haven't developed, like, a really meaty version of what Breath of the Wild, as I said, laid the foundation out to be. That's taken five years now for Elden Ring to really take that framework and build something hefty on it. Um, yeah, I'm definitely, definitely going to play it at some stage. Um, the question is just, will I, will I wait long enough for it to maybe show up on on, uh, on Game Pass? It's not just uh, PlayStation. Is, is it on Xbox? It's on everything. Yeah, it's on everything. It's on everything. Um, so, or, or will I, or will I spend the money on it? We'll see. Yeah, um, I don't know what their history is on on Game Pass because, like most people, I remember when I got Guardians of the Galaxy, it was like uh, Square games tend to go on Game Pass. Like, ah, do they? Yeah, I don't really know. And then, on Game and Pass then sure, and sure enough, it is. Yeah, months like only a couple of months later, it showed up there. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, no, that's uh, that's, that's that. Um, so if you've not had enough Batman, guff, I never uh, have. I'm playing, I'm playing Batman Arkham Knight now for the first time. Um, let me tell you. Still having difficulties with that fucking Batmobile, mate. Yeah, um, I mean that's the story of it. Unfortunately, there's there's one little mission early on where you unlock the uh, the winch, and you know logically you would say, well, I have a winch, so why don't I just aim at the very top of that building and drive up? And they're like, no, you have to drive across buildings for some reason. <laughs> and the Batmobile, even if you're not pressing any button, always has uh, motion to it. Uh, so even though you didn't press any button, you just fell off the roof and you have to go all the way back and start again multiple times. Enjoy that. Uh, talk to you later. Um, so yeah, that was absolutely painful. Um but generally, I'm enjoying. It. I, I like um, you unlock the, obviously the new suit uh, quite early in the game that allows you to do the most fun traversal, which is the uh, the grappling hook into oh, the uh, the triple A. That tap, feels great, though. It feels so good, which is is very satisfying. I will say, I think I said this when I played Arkham City for the first time. I think the combat, especially the uh, stealthy combat, suffers in comparison to something like Spider Man. Mm. Because um, all I want to do is hang and do my little web on someone and hang them off a lamppost and, you know, the like. Um, but it's still very good. The the melee combat's very satisfying. And so far, the story is good fun. But, uh, ooh, stop making me use the Batmobile for platforming and as a tank, please. Well, I don't know how much more platforming is in it. Oh, I've bad news about the tank if you don't mind the tank. Whoa. I actually don't mind the tank. The platforming was far worse. That, that was the big divisive conversation around that game when it came out, um, was all the car stuff. I, I don't... I like how it controls when it's in normal drift-around-corners mode. I wouldn't base a whole game around it, but I think it feels okay sure. enough when you can speed. And I, I, 
I didn't even dislike the tank. It's just it stops the momentum dead in its yeah. tracks because it's almost true. it's almost like a little turn based strategy game almost in a little way because yeah. all the other enemy tanks they kind of they call their shot before they do it. So it's like okay, get into the little spot where they're not going to hit. And then you take your shot and, okay, where are they going to go next? Okay, you go over here. And it's just, it's not, when you think about how that hand-to-hand combat is, it's very free, flowy, and fast. And look at these cool yeah. animations. And then the, the tank is just slow, slow, slow. And there's, yeah, sorry, but there's a lot of it. <laughs> and for the people who are upset that uh, Advance Wars got delayed, you can get Batman Arkham Knight on Game Pass. <laughs> Basically the same thing. Um, anyway, plugging my way through that. I'm still early days. Right. I know we're going long here, so we're going to go straight into Dwayne Johnson Face Busters. Hell yeah. The second second, um, pilot version. We'll see how it goes. Um, So you got three clues here. They are wrestling moves. Uh, I'll give you a little clue going in. Similar to last week, you have two more generic moves and then one move that's associated with a specific wrestler. Okay. First one we'll start you off with an easier one right so okay last week i had a little bit of a fast food binge might have heard about it so one of the days i was eating some lovely kentucky fried oh yummy 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 but i looked down into the bucket while i was eating and it was not happy with me at all what move is that uh okay uh, chicken sad, chicken angry. Uh, I was thinking chicken wing, but oh, oh wait, hang on, chicken whinge. Is it chicken wing? You're you're close. I can't give it to you quite yet. Cross Barry, face chicken wing. Cross face chicken wing is the correct answer. <laughs> I like how I chicken whinge also works. <laughs> Less so, yeah. But cross face, cross face, chicken wing. Very good. Okay. Yeah, wasn't happy. With That's, not That's not bad. That's not bad. That's not bad. Okay, I'll take it. Uh, clue number two. So this fella, you might have heard of him, right? <laughs> Noah. You know Noah I'm from aware. the Bible. Oh yeah, from the Bible, pro wrestling Noah. They call him yeah. Yeah, Noah. <laughs> right. So he saved all them animals uh, from the flood <laughs> yeah. in his boat. Yeah. Right? But also. He's, you know, very timely. He's paying tribute to the great Scott Hall. Mm. What's that about? Okay, I'm thinking so say, something arc, I'm thinking. Okay. Arc, razor, razor arc. Um, Noah. I can't imagine Noah. No, if, if Noah was in the clue, you wouldn't have said Noah. Um, arc, razor arc. Oh, I feel like I'm close. Um yeah, Scott Hall. Um, we'll obviously talk about Scott later on, but Scott Hall he had some uh, some good catchphrases, didn't he? What did he used to say? Uh, oh my God, the Arkeo. Arkeo is the correct answer. Oh, Barry. that's terrible. Did you come up with that before Hall was in the news? By the way, no, I wrote it today. Oh, okay. I, I I did want it to be a little a little tribute. A little tribute. Okay, Arkeo, and also yeah, also Ark Ark. Ayo, <sighs> that's not great, but it's it's yeah, it's like Batman. It's not great, but not bad. Um, <laughs> and then the final one, final one. Um, all right, <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll admit going in the uh, the conceit 
to this one is not very good. Right. So, so <laughs> I was just sitting there. Right. And then some wings sprout out of my ears. <laughs> right. Started flapping, flapping away. Before I knew it, my cranium, my whole cranium was fluttering around the room. Now, before it went off, <laughs> fluttered out the window, <laughs> it challenged me to a game. Uh, but luckily, I was able to defeat it by using a rock. What is the answer to that? Oh, that is the question, isn't it? Uh, I was able to- Truly okay. is. Okay, let me think. Let me break it down here. Okay, head flying challenge to a game and like a rock or stone well specifically a rock specifically a rock excuse me um well specifically rock <laughs> i don't i don't deceive you rock head but fucking flying flying head but oh it's very close it's not right what is it go on no you're you're close you'll get it <laughs> There's a little bit of lateral thinking to this one. Like, You're what kind joking. of game? What, what kind of game would would you win by using rock in that? Uh, pa- rock paper scissors. Uh, okay. Flying scissor kick. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay. So 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 flying headbutt. Plus flying scissor kick divided by two equals <laughs> flying flying. Um, oh Barry, you're right there, lad. Oh, it out don't of say it like it's obvious. It's very obvious. Um, flying. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the initials. F-H-S. Flying head scissor. Flying head scissor. It's the correct That's answer. terrible. Oh, they're screaming it at home. Are they? They should be checked if they are. <laughs> God damn. Flying head scissors. Um... I will say that was the second version of the clue for that one, which initially involved <laughs> Dumbledore coming down out of the broom because he's the headmaster. Oh, no, I never would have gotten that. That would have been. Yeah, that no, been I don't, even I was looking at going, oh. even for this quiz, that's a bit tenuous. <laughs> anyway, you got them all this week. Flying head scissors. Okay. Crossface chicken wing and the RKO. Between, between the two weeks, I feel like there was like. That's enough forever. <laughs> there was like two good ones in there. Oh, that's very disrespectful. I, to my I, I may do some traditional Dwayne Johnson buster next week to, to get us back on oh, the right track. Okay. No, the people love the, the Dwayne Johnson. Buster. Well, listeners, right? Listen, I tell you what, right? We've got emails. We're going to do emails next, by the way. Thank you, everyone, for sending an email in. Uh, listeners, if you, if you bloody loved that, what you can do is email in and tell us. Email in and tell us. And also, if you want to encourage us to keep doing it, okay, people often email us with like quizzes to do with each other. Email one of us your own, and the whoever you email will do it between the other two, right? Uh, right. Uh, so if you want to email Paul yeah. and then me and Joe can compete in Dwayne Johnson face busters, 
Um, yeah, but keep in mind that the point of the quiz is to be as rambling and nonsense. No, 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 no. If you can, possible. if you can trim it down, if you can, well, where's the fun in that? Trim it down, make it longer. So that it resembles an actual quiz would be the appeal. <laughs> well, me and not oh, wings me come out of ears. And anyway, oh, you're well, you, it you, didn't, you, you didn't get wings come out of ears. You didn't get that one. That's mad. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah listen and, and okay but you don't even have to do your own listeners if you just want to send an email going hey uh, uh lads great show um here's a pick one uh the rock uh triple h or steve austin anyway p.s i love dwayne face buster johnson and and we will do more of it in the future uh anyway let's get into the emails oh here of, of which by the way i don't i believe there are no i believe there are no endorsements let me take a look here we do have a new quiz actually oh shit i should have mentioned this at the top of the show uh, um, and I will uh, uh, will do that here shortly. Um, okay, first email here is from Will. He says, "Hi Barry, uh, I've had COVID this week, and your streams have been great to watch whilst I've been off. So thanks for that. Oh dear, watch on Twitch. Hang on, he hasn't finished. He's plugging me. Please." Uh, he says, watch on <laughs> twitch.tv slash Barry. Lad. Thank you so much, Will. I do hope you feel better. I'm, I'm actually, it is genuinely quite. Uh, uh, nice to, to, to know that, that people are, are watching yeah. that while on well, we'll get to twitch.tv slash polygraph uh, uh, for your uh, your once every two month yes yeah but that's like it's like a AEW pay-per-view it's a once a quarter jobby exactly. uh, but yeah no it is actually really nice though you're, you're watching that while you are uh, unwell and also listening to this show I'd imagine so so do feel better we hope you're you're feeling better already if you're not uh, uh, and thank you so yeah, much. He for, had to get his plugs in before he for sure wish you'd feel better, though. Just note that. Um, he's also, I'll tell you what, Will's been putting the work in while he's been sick. Because listen to this, right? Oh, I. He says, anyway, I've got a pretty harebrained quiz idea. Oh, let me tell you, Will, it can't be worse than what I've been dealing with tonight. He's doing me. I'll be in the grave with talk like that. Uh, this week called Portman Tony Khan, right? The, Port, what is it called? I think it's a play on Portmanteau. So portmanteau, oh, portmanteau. Ah, very clever. Yeah, very good. The aim of the game is to guess the portmanteau of a wrestler and a cheese. <laughs> okay. <laughs> for example, okay, okay. for example, Stilton Benjamin. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a portmanteau. <laughs> it's like a Dwayne Johnson post. Uh, how dare you? Don't insult me like that. Um, listen, all right, here we go. He goes on, right? Give a clue. Okay. Give a clue for the wrestler. Then a guess from each person for the portmanteau. Then a clue. Right, for, then a clue for the cheese. <laughs> how do you give a clue for cheese? Then another guess. Uh, okay. Then a clue for the wrestler, etc. One guess per clue. I'm going to do three, as this is a pilot. Okay, so you're you're, right, you're the test okay. subject. Yeah, the tables have turned. The turntables, sir. Oh. Uh, okay, so I've got my first uh, answer here. I'm going to give you a clue, and you get you get a guess for each clue. We won't do any points or any shit like that. We'll we'll just uh, we'll just uh, okay. so we'll just see if you get it. That's that's what we're looking for here. Okay, <clears throat> so round one. Your first clue is I wrestle for AEW. Mm. Okay, so I have to figure out the cheese wrestler. Yeah, um, and it's a, it's a punny kind of portmanteau name, cheese and a wrestler. You can also pass because I um, just hint to you. Edam Page. <laughs> it's not right. I don't know if, what the process is. Should I give you like half a point? So you're you're partially correct. I'm not going to say anymore. Edam. Wait, you are not allowed to have multiple guesses. All right. Well, you have to you have to wait on. 
I, you have to wait until I give you. You can have one guess per clue. Is what will say. Okay, okay. Give me another clue. Then. The next. So this is cheese, right? So this this clue's cheese. Okay. <laughs> I'm a semi-hard cheese from the Netherlands. <laughs> well, I'm semi-hard here. That clue. Uh, yeah, I got to stick with Edam Cole since you said I was nearly right the first time. Yeah. So it it is in fact Edam Cole. Uh, well, well done. Well done. I- I mean, I basically got the cheese off. He is in AEW. That's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> you end with the wrestler, and you immediately got the cheese. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, that was very good. Well done. So uh, the other clues okay. here, um, wrestler. I shaved my head to look like Steve Austin in high school. I actually did not know that about Mr. Adam Cole. No, no, did I? Uh, I was the most popular cheese between the 14th and 18th centuries. <laughs> I lost a title match at the last pay-per-view. I go well with peaches, melons, apricots, and cherries. <laughs> okay, so well done. Yeah, so again, I guess if we were to do like a point structure, where how many? One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> there's six clues, and you got yeah. it like on the second one. So I'd have to say that's like five points or whatever. Five that's, points. Well done to you. Right next and uh, next um uh, next <laughs> next uh, Portman Tony Khan here. <clears throat> Yeah. Clue number one. I am a woman. Brie Bella. Oh, he's got he's, he's got he's done it in six points. Absolutely outrageous. <laughs> Absolutely outrageous. This guy this guy is fucking unbelievable. The Portman Tony I Khan. will I will say when you said there was a cheese quiz, that was the first name that came to my head. Yeah. Even before Edam Cole. So I was waiting for the woman clue or retired WWE. Yeah. So uh, I'm a woman. I'm a French cheese. I wrestled in the WWE. I am pale and slightly grayish. I assume that's cheese. Um, and finally, I had a twin. So uh, yeah, you got that. That's that was six points there for for that. So you are you are the man at fucking Portman Twenty Con. Final one here. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Okay, <clears throat> I'm in the WWE. Oh, let me think. Who's got a cheesy name? Uh, see, the problem is I also don't know many types of cheeses. This is a tough one. This is a tough one. Yeah. Um. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of cheeses before I'm thinking wrestlers. So I'm thinking cheddar. No cheddar. Gorgon's Gorgon Gorgon Soli. I mean, <laughs> kind of works. I mean, he's dead, but you know um, he is. He's not in WWE anymore. You can also pass. Uh, you don't have to guess for every single one. You, you, you have, have a, a guess, cheese but... clue that doesn't help me. Uh, well, you um, never know. You might you might you might get the cheese clue and then be like, ah, okay. Mozzarella. Hang on. Is there an Ella? Ella. Ella. A. A. Um, I mean, I'm not. I'm not. This is. I'm not giving you any hints about the correct answers. But just in answer to your question, I mean, there is an Ella in WWE. There is one that you could think of. Now nah, go on. Give me the cheese clue. The cheese clue is I am an Italian whey cheese. Okay, so maybe like a gorgonzola or a, or a mozzarella. <sighs> Mozza, mozzarella. No, go on. I'm gonna need another clue. Okay, uh, I this won't help you at all. I am on the SmackDown <sighs> brand. Oh God. Um. Uh. 
No, I don't know who's on the SmackDown. <laughs> yeah, match. I mean, there'd be a, yeah. a modern wrestling thing about who's on what brand. We would be hopeless. Um, my curds are creamy and white in appearance. Is that not all cheese? No, not necessarily. Some of them are like yellow. No. Some okay. of them are pale. Okay, I'm thinking this is going to be mozzarella. So I'm going to try and let's see SmackDown Ella. Um, is it uh, Shea mozzarella? Respect your little portmanteau work. That's not the correct answer. That's not right. right. Uh, I used to wrestle in PWG. God, could be anyway. Steen. This is a moderately well-known PWG wrestler. I would say that Kevin Owens, someone who who, who is known to wrestle there. Um, Again, that could also be a lot of people. To be fair, but you know, Ricochet, Rico. Mm. Kind of like a cheese that fits with ricochet. Mm. Well, we need the we need the, we need the full portmanteau. We need the, we need the portmanteau. Yeah. What are you saying, Susie? The what? Ricotta. Ricotta shay. Um. Who else? Butch. Um. No, I don't know. Is there more clues coming? There is one. There's one more clue. I think I lost you there briefly. Did you make a guess there in the in the silence? Yeah, I said butch. <laughs> what would Butch be? I don't know. Okay, cheese. the last the last clue here. I date back to the Bronze Age for the cheese. Oh God, no! Okay. I, I, I'm I'm afraid I'm going to let everybody down by not nailing all three cheese wrestlers. Um, okay, g- g- just give me the initials. Don't give me the answer. R. So it is Ricochet. Hmm. No, I don't know. Go on. Ah, uh, you're so close. Rico, Rico. Ricochet. They're screaming it at home, you might say. Shay Rico. Is there a cheese that starts with Shay, sweetie? Shay Chedar. Rico Chedar. That's how an Italian would say cheddar. He's a Chedar. Rico Chedar. Okay, I'll give you the answer here because I don't think you're going to get it. Go on. I'm not going to get it. Ricotta Shay. That's what she said. Nati said Ricotta. I, I said, told you there was a okay. cut. I said there was a cut in the audio and I didn't hear okay, I said, well, was there a guess? You buffoon. Because the funny thing okay, is, well, I heard, it's actually really funny because I heard Nati go to Ricotta and then like, that's when my audio cut. Yeah. And I was like, oh fuck, he's going to get it while I'm, my audio is okay, dipped. Okay, okay, okay. That, that was an audio technicality then. So you have to you give that one. To I'll me. Give, well, I'll give it to Nati. I won't give it to you. She got it. You yeah. it. Two one to me. She, how did she get it without? She's not even wearing headphones. You're rubbish. <laughs> she's in bed, not listening. <laughs> oh, and yeah, like talk, talk, like she can play this game blindfolded, folks. Yeah. Anyway, you were right, Sadie. It was Rick Cottishay. <laughs> yeah. uh, well done, Paul, for that. That was it. Was a solid performance, nonetheless. I mean, listen, you, the first two questions you blew them away. Uh, they were they were, it was a fabulous performance. Uh, Will, thank you so much for that. That was a, that was a great fun. And I do feel better. We hope to feel better uh, um, uh, this week <laughs> with the old vid. Um, anyway, we will. Uh, I mean, I suppose I don't. I don't have too much follow up to what you guys talked about last week on Revolution, obviously. Um, uh, so we will leave that. Uh, I suppose we should be. We would be remiss to not mention the Scott Hall situation here. Uh, that seems to be a, a kind of developing situation. So by the time you hear this, who knows what the official. Um, situation will be but kevin nash earlier this morning he put out a very heartfelt post uh talking about scott hall's uh, family and their decision to uh, uh take i didn't realize I, I don't know if it was known before this but I, I did not realize he had had multiple heart attacks um yeah uh, three three apparently uh, complications for a, a different surgery and kevin nash said basically that they were 
making the decision to take him off his life support at some stage. Uh, and then a couple of hours ago, uh, Dave Meltzer tweeted, verified by Sean Wel- uh, Waltman, that they, they have, in fact, taken him off the life support. He is still alive as of this recording. We're doing this on a Monday evening. Uh, but, you know, I think people are kind of uh, matter of hours type type situation here, which is very sad yeah. uh, for one of the kind right. of uh, most influential and notorious wrestlers of, like, the 90s. Uh, yeah, and yeah. one of the most, you know, fundamental wrestlers to the... To mainstream wrestling history, I would say. Yeah. Certainly the the Monday Night Wars. He's he's one of those like he may even be the like quintessential intercontinental guy who never got to be world champion. Yeah. It's like him and Piper, I think, are probably the two examples of people you think of. Um Jake as well. Jake as well, yeah. Um so uh very, very sad situation. Obviously his um his health troubles over the years and his, his, his personal battles were well-documented. I was just thinking earlier today, though, I mean, as, as kind of hard as the second half of his life was, I do like that in the last couple of years, he did get to have, you know, his Hall of Fame and his, yeah. his WrestleMania appearance and his cameos on Raw and all this other stuff because it did seem like for a few years that he was not going to... Him and Jake, it seemed like they both were not going to get there. And they both wanted, Jake was so on the record as well. So all he wanted was to be asked back for Raw or do the Rumble or all this other stuff. And Scott, Scott Hall was very similar. And it's just, it, I, I'm really glad that before either of them went, that like they got to do that. They got their redemption story. They got the Hall of Fame. They got the, the speeches and the celebrations and the cameos and all that other stuff. Um, yeah. uh, all that DDP stuff was, was great for them. Uh, yeah, so uh, well wishes, obviously, to all his uh, his close friends and family. I don't think there's really too much else uh, you know, awkward transition here. Back to the other wrestling stuff. Uh, but I don't think there's too much to uh, chit-chat about in the news. We got the confirmation of Austin being involved at Mania, I guess. Um, yeah, if... I mean, I think from a casual fan... Or maybe even a slightly more hardcore than casual fan, like passing interest. Even if the match was, you know, not markedly different from what they're ultimately going to do in this like confrontation, I think just the fact of it being a match is much more alluring. Um, yeah, you know, for someone to to pay their thirteen euros or whatever it is for the euro, I should say, for the um, WWE Network, like the fact that there's like I know what it's going to be. Austin come out, what drink a beer, hit him with a stunner to the happy days. But just the fact that it's a KO show, not a match, kills the interest that I have in it. Um, Especially because they're adver- they've done an angle to set it up, which I suppose is better than nothing. But like. I, at the fucking same building, the one I was at, Austin showed up and he stunned a guy, and everyone cheered. It's like is that's is that not just this, but with more a little bit more pomp because you did an angle to set it up, like like it's exactly that. it's you know. And I, I I tweeted this during the week. It's like it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone really that they were in negotiations for him to do a match, and then the angle they did on television was Kevin Owens makes fun of Texas, and then he said, "Well, I'm not fucking coming out of retirement for this. This is shit," you know. Um, and yeah. I love Kevin Owens and would absolutely love to see Kevin Owens versus Steve Austin in a, a match match but Austin's always been a guy he's like I'm not fucking coming back to do this I'm not coming back to lose the coach 
that was the classic example was the coach yeah i mean he didn't want to lose to brock lesnar um so i i I imagine the idea that he comes out to defend the local sports team i mean it's just it's just so silly and it's it's so typically wwe and you know fair play to him for saying like yeah i'll show up i'll do wrestlemania stunner beer bath music great everyone will cheer but saying you know i'm not doing a fucking match and maybe god it'd be such a waste if it's like if the angle's a big smash hit and then he says, okay, I'll do a match now. And then he goes like, fucking Saudi Arabia or fucking Backlash or some shit. Um, right. But we'll see. That's, uh, I mean, I don't think either of us will be staying up to watch WrestleMania anyway. So it's not like. Uh, no, I was going to say, I think this is the first Mania I'm not going to stay up for in, I want to say maybe a decade. Yeah. Um, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm literally not doing anything else on the Saturday, I will watch the Saturday show. Maybe. Uh, I'll tell you what the one thing that would interest me is Cody Rhodes. It's literally hanging on Cody now. Yes. It's on his broad shoulders. If Cody shows up in the build-up, or there's a hint that he's going to be at it, I'll check it out. If if not, I might not even watch it at all. It is, yeah, it's funny, because it's like, yeah, would I even watch it on a, on a next-day delay? Because it's like, eh, when all the news is broken and all sort of stuff, and it's still two, three-hour shows, or four-hour shows, really. Um, are we even going to bother watching it? But we'll see. Um, it does seem like, I mean, kind of, I, I don't know what Raw is going to be like tonight because it's, the thing about the Scott Hall thing is it's kind of like he, ha, he has not passed yet. Do you know what I mean? So will Raw yeah. be like a tribute? Will there be a tribute on Raw? Is it weird to do a tribute for a guy who's had his life support pulled but isn't yet? It's very awkward. I will say that. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I don't know. But the other, prior to this Hall situation developing, the other, the hook for Raw tonight was a number of news sites saying, Raw is in Jacksonville. If Cody's coming in at all, he'll be there tonight. Seems to be the gist of the story. Because um, uh, we are three weeks away from WrestleMania, so if he's coming in, he better fucking come in. Um, uh, yeah. So I wouldn't. I certainly don't give enough of a shit to watch, but I'll be interested to read the Raw results tomorrow. Yeah. Um, Same. Uh, so then we had Dynamite and Rampage, another uh, another skippable Rampage in a show that's in dire need of some kind of direction. Yeah, I, I, I it's very skippable, which thing I never feel like I waste my time watching it. Then again, I'm someone who very much enjoys AEW, so I'll, I'll, I'll watch an hour of mid-card matches, sure. Um, but <laughs> I don't know what the appeal would be to someone who's not ravenous for more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it, it lately has a feel of... You know, not quite, you know, the main events of the world, but like Sunday Night Heat as it was moving from being their secondary show to like, okay, SmackDown exists now in like the late 1999. That's just like, oh, it feels a little bit like this is where we stick the wrestlers that aren't important enough for Dynamite, for want of a better phrase. Um, I thought Dynamite was quite good, on the other hand. Um, the Jericho segment with 2.0. I like that. Hangman Dante was all right. Very short, though. Danielson and Moxie were in Regal. Official team now. Happy they went in that direction. Um, what else did we have? Uh, oh, the, the best thing that happened in, in wrestling all year was Jeff Hardy dancing on his way to the oh ring. Oh, my God. It was so stupid. Because <laughs> the thing is, you, you already... You can tolerate... 
he, he like why didn't he run out straight away when his brother was getting beaten up? Why did he wait for Darby and sing? You lads go, you lads go. I'm 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 chilling here. I, I'm I'm eating a toasty. Um, yeah. uh, but then the cherry on top was doing his little dance. Um, ironically on rampage when they came out he, he was all serious he obviously heard the feedback um but wow well, I, la- I laughed very very heartily at that I, d- I did like also um uh that they are just i mean ugh, I, I don't think i have the energy in me for like another broken routine i just never liked that stuff other than the one original match uh, they came out on Rampage, and they were just the Hardy Boys. They were just the two. They, they, other than looking a bit older, they were just in their two thousands gear, you know. Yeah. Um, Which they did in WWE as well, to be fair. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I saw I saw a number of people saying, and I I don't disagree with the idea. Of, okay, you know, do a Young Bucks match, do a Sting Derby match, but then other than that, like I don't really care for Hardys and stuff. I was like, yeah, that's completely fair. But I'll tell you the one thing I would like less, and that's another attempt at a feud between these two. Um, yeah, I think because they they. After years of getting it wrong, they finally had a good feud with the original broken stuff. Leave it there. Don't push your luck and try and do any more because it's always whiffed. And as, as much as I can't say I'm ecstatic for Hardy's nostalgia, I would rather that than for the remainder of their career than you know, more matches between them. You're telling me you don't want Willow in. Oh, my God. That's, I mean, this is the thing. AEW is the, hey, boss, I've, I have a great idea that I want to pitch for myself company. Um, I, 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 I hope Tony Khan says it doesn't work for me, brother. Um, <laughs> listen, he's gone on record as saying he regrets doing the teleportation and shit. Um, yeah. So hopefully he says, listen, it's just not what we do. But uh, we'll see. yeah. Speaking of that, doesn't work for you, brother. I want to just mention the the best Scott Hall story of all time. The the uh, Dudley boys. Oh, great finish! Can't wait to kick yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. What a line! What an absolute. Don to say <laughs> it's like his first day in the company so oh dear oh dear um uh yeah so uh what else was there on oh that, uh, so they're doing a six man on dynamite this coming week i really hope that like Payne just pins cold and then punk comes out to challenge him for double or nothing i really <laughs> sure. have no like i thought the match was good um i i thought it was it struggled to match some of the other stuff on the show, but it was a really good match. Perfectly solid main event. I have zero interest in doing it again. Um, yeah. So we shall see. And in a passing of the torch between the two least interesting champions in the company's <laughs> history, Scorpio Sky beat Sammy Guevara for the TNT title in the main event. Some of that psychology in that match was um, non-existent. Um, <laughs> like Sammy just goes for the big six thirty for no reason. I re- I realize this is very cornet, but like, it, it, why is there a table spot in like every second segment on Dynamite every fucking week? I don't understand. No, we've we've complained about this in the past. Well, there was two on this show, and it's kind of like I, yeah. I I even like I even think it's gone beyond the realm of oh well, it's like you know relaxed rules, referee discretion. I think that's fine, but even within that context, I think it's a bit of a piss take now. Um, but Sammy does that move for no reason. And then the referee is uh, Wade Keller. He was being very curmudgeonly about it, but I don't think he was being wrong. They spent like five minutes, five actual minutes of the referee going, Sammy, do you want to fucking go? He was outside the ring. Count him out. He's like, what's this? Oh, well, he's hurt. Well, yeah, they're all supposed to be hurt in the logic of kayfabe when they're sitting outside the ring selling. When Tanahashi does the very slow walk back to the ring and just gets in at 19, he's supposed to be hurt. The referee doesn't stop the count at 11 and go, wait a minute. Oh, whoa. Are you sure you can finish Ace? 
Um, you know, so so that was ridiculous. And the, and then like Sammy gets back in the ring, and keeping in mind that he injured himself, he then like spits at at, at Scorpio Sky. It's like, well, what? he didn't do anything to you, fucker. You fucking jumped out of the ring like an idiot and fucking broke okay. your ribs. Uh, and I mean, is there any more like? ominous death kneel for a babyface act then he has a babyface girlfriend um uh like like it reminds me of like they are a way less charismatic version of like seth and becky um never mind seth and becky cody and brandy cody and brandy is a great one i mean yeah there are people who are better in their respective roles than sammy and tay who have flopped terribly trying to do i just i don't think wrestling fans want to do the babyface couple thing uh, unless it's like really weird underdogs like Spike and Molly, which is a whole separate like thing. I don't think they view like I, I don't think they want to see main event level baby faces like Sammy is supposed to be a CNT champion do high school acting girlfriend drama. I, I really don't think they want it. Yeah, and I think there's a natural uh, resentment. Obviously, we've seen it on their Twitters. Well, yes, yes. Yeah. Um. For whatever reason, I don't want to generalize your your typical stinky wrestling fan, but um, you know they're going to be resented for I guess a similar reason to the couples you mentioned. Um, it never works, and you know Guevara and Conte, as as good as they are, um, are neither beloved enough to overcome. And like spitting in the face is not a very baby face thing to do anyway yeah regardless of the context you know yeah yeah i suppose even if he was like somewhat justified i could see people saying hey don't do that talking a big loogie um but yeah let me listen i i thought this sammy rain was going better than the the first but it, it that did not end in great fashion um so yeah um and we did have our wardlow uh who's the next challenger he did his interview which i thought was good if a little a little stiff. A little stiff. I, I I did feel not not as bad. It did feel a little WWE to me. Um, it, it was a little bit. Little WWE. I think the Batista parallels are there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah ironically, because his push is very like <laughs> follows a lot. Oh, of it's parallels. the it's the uh, exact. It's the Batista. Yeah, push. it's the exact. I mean, I saw people compare it to like uh, uh, like Virgil and DBS. I'm like, no, it's so obviously Triple H and Batista because they want this guy to be Batista. They want him to be. I, I like I, I don't know how this MJF feud plays out because I kind of feel like he should be the guy to beat MJF for the title in a year and a half, two years' yeah, time. Well, I feel like they're going to do the, the evolution run through in reverse. I feel like he's going to do Sean Spears first yeah. and make his way up to MJF. Yeah. Um, Which I think is, is a better way of doing it, actually, given how clogged up MJF's diary seems to be at the moment. Yeah. I did like there was no, like, MJF and CM Punk were both off the 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 show like selling yeah. that whole thing and and yeah it, it just it, it made it great because because there was no MJF Wardlow got to go out there and do his all I'm free from this contract and let me just move on and there was no interruption you know you didn't get the typical MJF thing because next week I imagine there's going to be the big twisting of the night and I've seen a lot of interesting ideas bandied around he screws him out of the match he could come out and they could do I saw people saying they should do some like faux WWE I'm not letting you out of your contract thing you can't have this title match. Um, you don't just get to say I'm not your bodyguard anymore. Blah blah blah. Um, I imagine they will. There's, they're. Pro- I think they, knowing how they book generally, I feel like they they will drag this out. I feel like, and not necessarily in a bad way, but I feel like it's it's far from over. Um, yeah. 
so yeah, big uh, big dynamite this week. They got the St. Patrick's Day Slam. They got Wardlow versus Scorpio, um, uh, six man tag, uh, and I suppose the main the main event it is Thunder Rosa's hometown. They will do Rosa versus Britt in a steel cage, uh, which I'll watch live since I won't be working Thursday. Um, I have moderately high hopes because I think when they can do like blood and other stuff like that, the match will be elevated beyond the not very good paper match. Right. So yeah, um, we've gone a little bit, we've got a teensy bit long here, but should look. What are you going to do? <laughs> uh, folks, thank you so much for uh, uh, listening. Uh, we'll be back this coming weekend. Oh, before we finish, what do you think about Butch? I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, I you know, but also very funny. Very funny. It's fine. It's. It, I think it's funny in that it's. It's not a very British name, Butch. Uh, if it was if if the Brits had any input into it, he'd be called something like Wazog or something. <laughs> what? Um, I just see. I can't remember who said it. It might have been a, a Brian and Vinny thing, but someone said that it was like it is kind of like Vince. His cultural references are like the little rascals. And so exactly, Pete yeah. is the little scrappy one um, who kills the original Alfalfa. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. I just can't. It's one of those things where I'm so out of the loop in WWE. I can't even have this take. Oh, my. Can you believe this? Like, well, that's just what their show is now. It's just people. Yeah, show, I can believe it. It's just people show up and they've got weird new names. NXT 2.0, especially every fucking week. It feels like someone shows up. It's like, oh, well, here comes uh, Dale, the angry barber. Uh, do you know what? Here comes uh, yeah. uh, uh, Shauna, the fucking pet groomer. You know what I mean? It's just like they all just eat. They, they've definitely gone back to new um, generation. Yeah, nineteen ninety four um, mindset. Yeah, which ironically was their worst period in the company's history. But anyway. what do you know? Uh, yeah, so there you go. That's uh, 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 that's Pete done. But um, yeah. So we will uh, we'll wrap it up there. Next week we will be back. Uh, no townie this coming week, do we? No, I think he's uh, off another week. Okay, well, so we'll 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 have another uh, uh, cheese. Another cookies. another Twitch superstar uh, uh, episode of CSP with um, uh, cheese and uh, video games. And, uh, yeah, um, I'll read more. Actually, I I I, I think I I tweeted. I, I am keeping a physical Elden Ring journal, by the way. Oh. Um, that that speaking of Breath of the Wild, that is a throwback to the original Legend of Zelda, where people used to keep handwritten notes. Yeah, I mean that's that's another because that was a, that was something that I, uh, uh, Jason Schreier, video game reporter, was saying when he played it. He's like, hmm. he's like, there's no quest log, and like you don't have to do it, but keep it a little, keep it a little, uh, especially because like you know it's easy for, to remember stuff like oh there's a dragon over there, but you do get stuff like oh if you if you see fucking. Uh, Zelda, the queen of the fucking loch, uh, tell her I was looking for her. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to remember this, pal. I don't know who you are. Um, I'm going to write it down. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, more Elden Ring chit-chat next week, I am certain. Uh, and yeah, so um, thanks very much for listening, everyone. Uh, have a nice and safe St. Patrick's Day. Uh, if you will be out and about celebrating, do take care of yourself. Uh, uh, and if you want to get in touch with us and uh, encourage or discourage any of the quizzes we did this week, you can uh, <laughs> pop us an email. And also, you know, feel free to send us one as well yourself if you want. We do get some some we get great entertainment out of out of your quizzes. We do greatly appreciate. Or also, you can just send us hellos, questions, queries, topics, debates, all that other stuff. You can do that as well. Uh, so, uh, with all that said, it is a spiritual goodbye from Townie. He's sending you all love from wherever he is. He's absolutely. He's just he's just sending it. He's absolutely sending it. Yeah.
Off in Los Off Angeles. In Los Angeles. With his lovely wife, Michelle. Uh, him and Mich- a very, a very, I don't mind saying a very beautiful couple. They are a very handsome couple. Absolutely. If they, you know, if I wasn't with Natty and they fancied a, a thruple, you know, who's to say? A bit of a weird thing to admit when he's not around. Um, uh, but I'm sure they'd both appreciate that. Um, they are a very handsome couple uh, out there in the Hollywood Hills negotiating CSP the movie. Um, so look forward to that. Um, I told Joe, I was like, listen, if we're going to do this, we have to have a credits tease of both Darth Vader and the Joker. Do not come home unless you get both the rights to those characters. Um, so they're working on that. So next week, they will still be in Los Angeles haggling that out. Myself and Paul will be back here. I'll have to do my research so me and Paul talk about the football um, uh, and all that. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, be safe, enjoy yourselves, and uh, we will talk to you again in a week. It's bye from me, Barry Murphy. It's bye. Paul Griffin. Goodbye.